Hey guys, so we had a lot of fun on this episode. It's going to be one of those just real loosey-goosey podcasts, not very strict and formal and just something we wanted to get out there for this Christmas Eve. And I hope you're all having a great holidays. And by the way, if we're like laughing or doing anything and you don't know what's going on, it's because, you know, we do these live on YouTube. So if you want to check out the Port City Pythons podcast YouTube channel, and if you could please check out Port City Pet, which is our new YouTube channel. That'd be amazing. All the links are below. Enjoy this one, guys. Welcome to From the Ground Up, where we talk to reptile keepers and breeders about all things cold-blooded. Sit back and have a beer with us. Well, some of you are driving. If you're driving, keep your hands tended to and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to From the Ground Up. I guess it's not Port City Python's podcast yet, but I think we're going to change it to Port City Python's. At least I'm pretty sure at this point. But it is still December 23rd. But thank you guys so much for being here. Happy holidays. Um, whatever you celebrate, I'm just glad that you are in our ears right now. And hopefully you can have a good couple of hours because we have... My friends, Riley Jimison and Andy Ray from the Reptile Room Podcast. How are you guys doing? Doing great, man. How are you? It's good to be on. Yeah, yeah. of course. So, Riley, obviously everyone knows you, man. Yeah. But, Andy, how did you I'm get into reptiles? Yeah, so um, I started when I was pretty young. I, I um, I'm trying to get used to the whole format here, so... <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I started pretty young. I was, uh, actually herping over close to my house. Um, pretty much just down by, by a little Creek, anything I can find. I was just always trying to catch what I can and, and keep what I can. My mom didn't normally let me keep, uh, snakes or anything like that, but I could keep lizards. So, uh, for me, that's, uh, that was probably my primary focus as a, as a kid, just trying to catch, you know, lizards. And then at that point, trying to establish them in my backyard. Uh, my very first like really big enclosure was actually like a paludarium uh, in a big old 75 gallon tank in my room. And it was filled with fence lizards. And uh, so can we explain that? Because I only found out what a paludarium was like a month ago, I swear. Uh, yeah. Can you explain exactly what that is? Yeah, it was. Uh, so this was this was um uh, Okay, how old? I'm trying to do math right now, and I'm not half of a beer in. That's pretty bad. So I was 12 at the time, 13 at the time, and I built my first bioactive. There was no internet then, like, really that I could rely on. But basically, a paludarium is where it's going to have a significant amount of that enclosure that's dedicated to water. Um, so what I did is I set it up as if it was going to be a, a little turtle pond. So it had a, a filter, a little bit of a heater. I kept it pretty close to ambient temperatures there anyway. Um, I went out and I tested the temperature of the water in that creek. And so I tried to set it up so that it was basically just a living vivarium uh, or a, a duplicate of what the creek was down the street for me. So uh, put in guppies and whatever I can find out there. And uh, that I snuck in, um, you know, a little garter snake in there. My mom didn't know. She, she just she stayed away from that um but uh, in any case yeah so that's how i got started uh kept my first snake after my parents got divorced and my dad um 
let me have uh he let me get a snake and kind of never stopped since then and one way or another i've had a snake in my possession for like 30 years man Wow. So what was the first species that really like caught your eye that you kept in any numbers? Oh, I would probably say rosy boas. Um, in terms of numbers, I would say probably rosy boas. I, I was hitting the reptile show scene pretty early on and, and meeting some pretty cool guys then. Um, looking back, I didn't really keep track of localities the way that I do now. Right now, I, I keep uh, locality rosy boas i've had some crosses in the past um i have been trying i've moved most of those i think i still have like one or two that are in my collection now but um then uh, i did have a couple ball pythons um i had some uh i had a pair of berms i, I kind of had a whole bunch of different things i'd have corn snakes and king snakes and uh, gopher snakes and stuff like that. So I never, I never really had a a bunch of just one species when I was younger. Uh, it was a pretty eclectic collection, even from from a young age, and it's the same now. And now rosy boas. In the beginning, you weren't really keeping track, but aren't they kind of crazy about localities? Oh yeah, I mean not not everybody. I mean, there's still there's there's actually, I mean, there's a pretty big push for morphs. I think it. I think it's. And do morph guys not really care as much of where the locality? No, no the morph guys don't. Not as much. I mean, they're they're going to be they're they're going after uh, some of the some of the rare combinations of stuff. But I, I would say it's it's definitely leaning heavier towards the locality guys. Uh, the majority of rosy boa um, aficionados want the locality and they want the integrity of those locales kept pure and um even if you they see something that doesn't typically look like a locality even just recently i was on a facebook group and i hadn't seen a response to a picture that i had posted and like somebody commented basically that oh yeah that's a cross you know and even though it was sold to me by somebody that's very highly regarded in the hobby uh that is a purist at heart and has been for as long as i can remember so that wasn't even a jab at me that was a jab. That was like a jab at 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 like one of the old school. And he's young. I was I say old school, but um, I you know that's just one of those things. I mean, they're they're so naturally variable, even in the wild. You know, so um, you're going to have different looks and different localities, and um, you're going to have different variations, different lines over the years as people have you know done some line breeding for um, you know certain certain traits, and so. Yeah, it's it's funny to to see locality guys kind of harp on other guys and and see it go back and forth. It can get it can get a little tense sometimes. Yeah, and to call it just as far as localities go, and I mean to say by phenotype that something is a hybrid or crossed out or anything, and that goes for a lot of species. Like, come on, man. Yeah, I yeah. I, I mean, it's you know the rosy bows have been in the been in the hobby for so long. And there have been so many different breeders that are going for a, for a certain phenotype, you know, and a certain look that um, doesn't take very many very many uh, generations to. I think you turned your light off, Riley. I don't yeah, trust see. Riley. He's like doing what videos. Is, and what stuff. is he doing? I've been trying not to say anything. I don't like, I'm like, hold on a second. I was like, I got this. this. Like, what is he trying to do right now? Is that his timer? <laughs> 
Do all, all your right. lights run on a timer or something? Right, or what you got you going on, Riley? Ah, oh, shit. Because <laughs> I guess for you guys, it's still a reasonable time where it may be a uh, a timer as far as going off oh, in the my, night. My my uh, everything's everything cycled down at five o'clock for me. Um, so right now that the lights Wrong are power on. Strip. <laughs> Boo. Who invited Dude, I, him? Why did you invite him, man? <laughs> All right, round two. Know. Cheers, guys. All right. Hold Sorry. On. No one look at me. Shame. Shame. We already I, shamed the I, I shit think, out of you before we even started recording. So I think not- everyone's going to give you a pass <laughs> considering I'm the one who just blundered with the lights. So you're good. Yeah. Gotcha, buddy. I did it I for can- you. I can already tell this is going to be one of those like <laughs> podcasts that our friends will listen to and really enjoy, but other people will probably be like, They're gonna hey, be like guys are just all over the place. Yeah. So. I know. Those are the funnest <laughs> ones. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, Andy, about these rosy boas, uh, when did you first breed them? All right. What year do you know? For- so, you know what? Yeah. Um, I actually, for the first time only did it in 2016 prior to that i had just kept them um never really put a lot of effort into breeding them and i took a pretty big break from keeping in general i mean i had a couple snakes but it wasn't to the extent that i have now um so when i first had ray looks like gone before he got all <laughs> So, uh, question from the chat. Well, maybe not a question, maybe more of a statement. Palmetto Coast Exotics. Uh, Ray looks like Golem before he got all meth. Dash Y. Methy. How do I see this chat? Yeah, I can't. Oh, you guys are going to be distracted, dude. Oh, okay. Okay, that's true. Well, Riley's already doing stories and turning off lights, so. (laughs) Turning lights off and... We're, we're ready. So where are you now um, as so yeah, far so as have you moved down from Rosie's? No, Rosie's are still going to – I actually am brewmating right now uh, quite a bit of them. So for this upcoming season, it'll be uh, Bay of L.A.'s, Magdalena Plains. Um, I have uh, 1.4 of a locality that I'm not going to mention. It's kind of a, a, a project that's um, – connecting with somebody else we're hoping that if, if it goes it'll be the first ones that i know of in the united states um and then uh harkahalas uh i do have some morphs so i do have some whitewater albinos and so there's a little bit of where did the you know where did the albino come from i i'm not 100 certain that it's the true whitewater I'm, I'm thinking there might be a little bit of a mix there so uh, trying to think what else do I have going? Uh, I have some Mojave's that are going to go. Some Mojave Wait, can Mountain. I ask you random Rosie Boa questions? Yeah, yeah, yeah go for um, it. Limburg Albino. What's up? Is Limburg Albino, is that just a, a lineage yeah. or is that like it's not compatible with other forms of yeah. albino or both? No. So, um, <laughs> Just <laughs> I feel like I gotta I gotta start getting Riley involved somehow. I'm just <laughs> laughing at it because it's going awry and I'm not even doing it. <laughs> oh Justin, Justin, Justin. I, I might I might unfriend him tonight. 
Well, to be fair, I didn't put up the next comment, which I'm kidding. Ray is one of the best dudes around, is what he said. So. Yeah, no, dude, he's good. He's good, man. He's awesome. So, um, now Lindbergh is, is uh, so Lindbergh found one of the original coastal uh, albinos in the wild. I want to say, oh man, this was probably if if I'm remembering my history right, it was like early '80s. Uh, and then from there, that that uh, gene, he created a bunch of hets. And then from there, a very isolated group of keepers, um, good friends with uh, with Randy, and that at that point started expanding on that on that project. But he he definitely took it to the next level and really cleaned up that that coastal pattern. So the coastal the coastal rosies will have a lot of speckling. In, in between the stripes and so with those Limburg albinos they're i mean if you look at them i mean they're just they're beautiful really clean typically and you're still going to get some coastal speckling in there but that line specifically he worked on it for so long and so it's just been one of those things where it's like a you know it's it's tipping the cap to to one of the one of the ogs in the in the rosy world to he really cleaned it he created a beautiful line yeah, I saw him at, well, I've seen him before, but I've only seen him in pictures. And I saw him at the White Plains show and I was like, damn. Because, yeah. I mean, everyone has perfect lighting and everything looks contrasty and all the albinos look amazing in the pictures on uh, on Fauna and everything. I, but that animal in person was just outrageous. I'm, a, I'm like looking at one of my one of my holdback babies right now. I'm like, hmm, maybe I should pull something out. Are they as nifty as everyone says they are? Yeah, they can be. I mean, I <laughs> yeah. I, shut up, Riley. <laughs> They're the best first pet snake. I, I, you know what? I, I actually, I, I love them for. I mean, you know, I, I kind, I get frowned on for it, but I really do think that they can be a great, a great pet if they're established well early on. Um, I try to go into my tubs. I mean, even if I've got 30 or 40 babies, I'm going in there with my hands and, and, you know, uh, trying to get them basically a little desensitized to getting in there. They love food though. And that's for an early keeper is to understand it's a little, it's a little snake. Are they going to bite you sometimes? Yeah, they might. Are they going to hold on a little longer than some other species? Yeah, probably. Um, but I, I love that though, you know, so, so, and I do say that to most of my customers, you know, that I, I try to let them know like, Hey, look, you're getting into an animal that loves to eat. Um, if you keep it fed and then you can work with it, you might have an animal that's going to be amazing. I have some, some rosies that have never bit me, have never struck or anything. And then I have other ones that it doesn't matter. They're just always going to be biters, you know, and then sometimes they just randomly decide they want to take you out and, um, <laughs> It's just, get, it's just, get, I, I don't know. I'm just used to it though. So I, I kind of don't think, I don't see it as a negative thing. So it seems like often, you know, some snakes that may be, you know, a little food aggressive when you get them out or you get them on a hook, they're usually good. And there's those other species that you can just never trust. Do rosies fall into the latter category? I, I would, I would say that more often than not, rosies will probably, um, you know, but they, they have a certain behavior, and this is something that you can teach new keepers, is that 
they they will typically give you a warning before they end up doing something and they'll start digging their nose you know the tip of their heads kind of they'll, they'll they'll look like they're going to dig into you for a second the best thing to do is then just take them off and then they're not going to do that but other times they're <laughs> yeah they're just going to go it's for like it. a woma yeah i've never kept womas but the comparison I, i've held plenty of womas and i've been bitten by woma a couple times well i'd rather one the size of a rosy boa than a woma to be honest see there you go yeah uh, I'm trying to think. When was the last time I got bit by a rosy? Um, well, I was hoping you were going to take that baby out right now. And oh yeah, you want me to take it out? Yeah, you can. Yeah, hold on. Hopefully, uh, he doesn't get bit right meow. We'll hear it if he does. <laughs> I, I got to work with Rosies uh, back in Santa Barbara at the zoo for a few years, so that was my intro to them. They're cool snakes. Is that like a very common as far as since they're a native species? I mean, is that going to be a very common display for you guys? Actually, native species require permits um, in California um, in order to uh, display any native species. You have to have a permit and then to breed them, you have to have a capybred wildlife permit. So um, ironically enough, you can go field collect a lot of our natives with a fishing license, but otherwise... For exhibiting purposes, there's a separate permit. Dude, that's nice, Andy. I was trying to make this work, but I clearly don't know how to make you big. That looks... I was about to say something so incredibly inappropriate for your podcast. Hey, hey. Oh, I finally did it. There you go. There you go. Let me see if I can... So, this is a whitewater uh, albino, and from everything that I have been able to research on the adults that I have is that um, they're supposed to be pure, you know, but it, there's, there's a little bit of question marks. And so I, I just, I just, I call them what I receive my adults as, which is white, white water albinos. It's supposed to be a pure locality. And this is a holdback. Is that the, so is, is Limburg technically pure locality as well? No, no, no. <clears throat> White water. So um, is that the only pure uh, locality albino? No, actually, there's. Um, let's see. I'm just trying to think how many others. Um, there's the Harkahalas, which is more like a T positive albino. Uh, you guys good? I haven't been bit yet, by the way. <laughs> yeah. And that animal didn't look like it had red eyes. Does it have red eyes like a true albino or is it like a – because there's so many incolubrids, it's weird. That's we'll have true. some albinos that aren't true, you know, or amelanistic that aren't true amelanistic. I'm trying to see if I can get you I – think, I think the whitewater is a form of T positive. Um, I don't know. I don't think the definition of – can you guys see that? Oh, does it have like a dark red, red pupil? Yeah, it looks like the pupil's red. Almost Maybe like we would see in like our ultramilk corn snakes. Yeah. So that's, I can, anyway. Um, 
Yeah, I got mom and dad over there too. I forgot there's people listen that just listen on the audio and we're just like totally not even acknowledging oh, no. them. But yeah, you could see you can see Andy's uh rosy bow if you go check out YouTube. Yeah, there yeah. you go. That's a good that's a good way to get everybody to get on onto the video side of it. There you go. Yeah. But sometimes people, you know, they consume both. What are you trying to say, Riley? I said sometimes people consume both. Sorry, I was looking at a good observation, dude. <laughs> anyway. My, my mind went elsewhere. <laughs> so what's your back. experience with Rosie Bow as Riley? Uh, I'd say I got bit half of the time working with a couple of them at the zoo. Um, I have no experience with any of the localities or morphs or anything. The only ones I ever worked with were like, you know, classic wild type, uh, coastal rosies, I, I would assume. Um, and that was my introduction to them. And then, uh, through meeting various people in the hobby who had an interest, I sort of, you know, caught wind of some of the various avenues that people keep it's really ironic it's very similar to uh carpet pythons in the way there's localities there's pure stuff there's questionable stuff that's known to at least be questionably pure there's stuff that's known as pure and i see a lot of parallels with morelia so but they're small and they're striped and they're really awesome snakes so and they're not in australia behind all these laws so if you need a true, true. locality maybe you could figure it out one day yeah, that is pretty true. Those are they're like the um, the Southwest United States version of Australia's Antaresia. And it's just it's just weird yes. that they're a boa. It just doesn't make I sense. Agree. Yeah, but they're cool. They're it's just they're a really awesome. really unique animal. Yeah, they captured my heart early on. Yep, they yeah, are cool um, snakes, yeah. and they have such an incredible range. And I mean, you literally have you know, a short couple mile valley in between two different mountain ranges. And you're going to have two entirely looking different boas, same species, just um, different kinds of rocks, different environment. Uh, one might be a little bit higher elevation than the other mountain range that's just across the valley. Um, and just the phenotypes, just even within the localities are just so incredibly variable. And I think that that's what really captures the imagination of a lot of keepers is just being able to see from let's say mom and dad look exactly the same, your babies might be completely different. And you just, there's just no way of knowing. So I'm crossing my fingers for little horns. And are they, um, I don't remember what I was just about to say. So Riley, how did you, and, <laughs> how did, how did you and Andy meet? <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> It's funny because we talked about this. I think earlier. it was beer. We literally just talked about this. Earlier. Yeah. Yeah. 20 minutes ago. Um, shit. Wait, yeah, we did? I mean, shoot. Oh. Uh, <laughs> my bad. Uh, Andy and I met uh, a couple years. Actually, dude, how, how many years has it been now? Five like years? Five, at least four or five, right? Yeah, well, yeah, because we knew each other when Carpet Fest started. Uh, the Southwest we, chapter. And I was still living. I think in we Santa met Barbara. online before the first one. Yeah, we met before the first one. I missed the first one. You guys had that over at Jay Brewer's place. Yeah, that was at Prehistoric. And then the second one was at uh, 
was that Travis's and that's that when we Travis's. met Travis's. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was when that yeah. whole core group of us got in there. But we yeah, we had talked in uh in some of the carpet groups and things online and um yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. So Andy, you keep carpets as well? Oh yeah. Yeah, I uh, have a bunch of jungles, have a bunch of coastals. Um I shouldn't say a bunch compared to compared to this guy over here. Uh, but I do have a fair share of jungles and coastals and, and um, I have a couple crosses and yeah, I love Morelia. I've, I've actually, the, so the first time I had a carpet was about 19 years ago and that carpet Python uh, just recently, this is the first time I've ever mentioned it publicly, but he passed away in the, at, toward the end of summer. Um, and damn it, I'm not going to get emotional, am I? No. His name was Keto. He was an, he was an incredible snake that hated me. <laughs> so you had him for what, 19 years? Yeah, yeah. So I And he oh. hated you this whole time? Oh, he he <laughs> he hated everybody, but I loved him. Um so he 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 was just one of those snakes that that really did prefer to be left alone. He liked getting taken out but he wanted to be taken out so that he can just climb and just kind of chill out, bask a little bit. Uh, he did not like being, he never liked being handled. Uh, when I got him, I think he was about two or three years old. Um, and the people that I got him from, they didn't know anything about snakes. Honestly, I think that they just got him cause they, for the cool factor. And I, something tells me that they, some, that I don't know if that's something that can, that stays with snakes. Like I, something tells me that, that, Either they they did something to just traumatize him or something with being handled, and I, I, I know I don't, I don't know if that sticks with snakes or not. But he just he never he never got he hated being touched. He hated being handled. So, but I loved him. He was incredible. I don't think there's any like scientific evidence yeah, to back yeah. that up, but I know I hear like Kevin McCurley will talk about it or. Mm -hmm anecdotally people think right. that there may be something going on but like abuse or that that somehow they get i don't know like people yeah, there's some know. people who are really but, worried about mishandling their snake especially monitor or monitor people worried about mishandling their monitor and their monitor will like remember that they were you know mishandled and will not trust them ever I think a monitor, though. Riley, so, you're well, nodding way Riley. too much not to join in. Dude, I, agree I know with everything you were saying. <laughs> like no, it's I, like you're waiting for Andy to talk, man. You can talk. I just don't want. I just don't want to cut anyone off, um, especially because like it could jumble the audio. People are just listening, but um, no, I completely agree with all of that. I mean, in my experience, if you mishandle an animal at a young age, it will be harder to bring back around to like a calm, handleable state. It can be done, but you have to be really persistent about it. And reptiles remember these things. They're not all just dumb, like primitive beings. As, you know, we talk about monitors. Everybody's pretty aware that monitors are probably on the highest level of intelligence in the reptile world. But snakes can be quite intelligent as well. Um, you know, it's it's been demonstrated. Yeah, it's been demonstrated they can target train. I mean, Lori Torini does shift training with her bread lie. Um, a whole her bunch corn of snakes are way, way well above the intellect of those carpets. <laughs> this is good. Yeah. I... Yeah. Anyway, 
They're light yeah. years away in their training, man. They they made her breakfast this morning. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. And then the carpets ate them. That's fucked um, up, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, they they can certainly remember like negative experiences, in my opinion. So I believe that, like, yeah, if he's that, like, you know, anti handling then he was either dropped or something like that once or twice or handled by somebody who wasn't prepared for it and it ended up being a very stressful and negative experience for that animal and if they got it as a baby and you got it at two or three those first two or three years were probably negative for that animal so yeah yeah, yeah. do you think that there's any chance that that those could be like formative years you know like it would for pretty much us well, yeah, I mean, think about when a hatchling comes out, they're always, you know, defensive, especially a lot of pythons. And that's because their instincts are telling them that they're going to die if they don't defend themselves. They have to survive. So they're hardwired for survival, even if they're captive animals. I'm sure over time, you probably dilute that quite a bit. But the instinct's always there. And if they spend their whole first couple of years surviving on defending themselves because they're not being supported or handled improperly or all these other things and they end up feeling stressed or threatened and they end up defending themselves and then they get put back in their safe spot in their enclosure that's teaching them that what they've just just done was successful at getting them back to safety and a pattern of years of surviving that through their most vulnerable time before they become adults and confident absolutely going to hardwire them for that for a very long time and it would take a lot of work to undo that so that that's yeah absolutely something that i feel like could be going on in that scenario and how conscious are you with your babies typically like of that fact very conscious absolutely yeah i think about it a lot especially with my super zebras they're very high strung high stress animals so i i keep that in mind with all of these hatchlings and i pay attention to them um and i approach them accordingly i take care of them accordingly I try to um, get them used to a standard routine of experiences so that by the time they're a couple months old, they have no problem with somebody changing water, taking them out for cleaning, offering them food, and then remembering that that, that instance where they were offered food is also uh, a completely different sequence of events to a different you know um, outcome. And it's sort of like a form of training. It's essentially conditioning, you know? Um, when you come in with something warm and smells like food and that their reaction gets them food they remember that but if you come in and that scent isn't present in the room and you approach them in a completely different manner they remember that as well so some babies are more high strung than others and you're with a lot of carpets you're probably going to take some bites um and i still get bit by the super zebras every now and again but like at first it was boom 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 non-stop biting bleeding all over the place and now i can i can pick them up and do some quick servicing without so much as even eliciting a bite response they're still stressed but you can sort of learn what sets them off and then consider that like a boundary and do everything you need to do up to that point and just you know plan it out accordingly and treat them that way and you can certainly get them to overcome that level of distress and high strung feeling for sure and now kind of something that because andy was saying like you know this is just an animal that's predisposed seemingly to not want to be handled and then most you know baby morelia are a little bit bitey so how do mm -hmm. you both of you guys kind of 
determine who is an animal that you need to work with further or an animal that you just leave alone? Like, is there any determining factors? Um, for me, it's just how they handle the first month or two alive and how they get going. And once they're eating, do they treat the two instances different and every animal I can sort of manage differently. Um, you know, they get fed more or less on a similar schedule for ease of my care. And so they get sort of used to my routine and you can see who figure it out and who, you know, which ones don't figure it out. And then the ones that don't figure it out, you just act differently around them. And that's my approach. So. And Andy, what about you? So, um, so full disclosure is I haven't, I haven't produced my own carpets yet, but I've raised up quite a few babies. Um, some that are now going to be prepared to go this upcoming season. So I've had my fair share of, of probably the last five, six years of raising up babies. And I definitely see, I mean, you got to remember, there's a lot of keepers that don't handle their snakes. They don't feel that it's something that's necessary. Uh, they certainly don't need to be handled. Uh, but for the ones that I, I, I personally enjoy taking my snakes out, some of them, some of them, there's, I just don't feel the need to do. Um, I feel that with time and effort, you know, at first I've had a defensive just recently, like last year, I got a, a new, uh, coastal and she was really bitey, really, we're just really defensive, you know, just really shy and scared. And she's completely used to me going in there now, you know, I go in there with a hook. Uh, and again, just like what Riley is saying is you got to have that routine. So if you're going in there with a nice, hot, warm hand and she's thinking or he is thinking food, they're going to strike and they're going to they're going to bite. Go in there with a hook. Just get into those little routines as annoying as it can be for some for some species. Uh, it's just simply deactivating them and then taking them out. So um, I definitely think that they can they learn. Uh, they, they definitely learn. They are not stupid. Uh, it's just a matter of being patient and people get super discouraged with a bite, you know, like again with Rosie's, if I take it back to the Rosie's, I have way more experience over my timeline of keeping with Rosie Boas is that yes, they can be bitey, but if you spend time with them, typically they're going to settle down. They're not going to be, you know, too nutty. Um, they're, they're kind of like that yeah, weird uncle that every once in a while just has like, he just flips his shit and on like Christmas morning and <laughs> then gets in an argument. <laughs> he gets that's in an funny. argument with somebody and then he's fine. Then he gets fine in the afternoon. Um, yeah. That's what Rosie's are like. That's a good comparison. <laughs> um, the other thing that like I always think about too is if you get bit from an animal that you're being too stubborn to take different approaches with, and you have a flinching response and you pull away and oh. like you break teeth or you toss an animal across the room, that's, that's definitely going to leave some bad impressions on that animal. And ultimately like you're going to set yourself up for failure if that keeps happening. So one of two things, if that's what's going to happen, one, take a bite and don't flinch and just take, if it's going to happen, just tell yourself this could happen. And as you're going to change that water bowl and that baby bites you, if you don't flinch, you're not going to chuck it across the room or get a hook, yeah. make a little shield or something. Use a note card. I have uh, index cards for everything. So some of my animals will just put the freaking um, little uh, index card right in front of their face. I'll do it with adults too. It's only backfired on me twice with yep. adults. 
Yeah, it's usually just at having least, a barrier uh, right there. I've used, I use barriers all the time. Yeah, yeah, it's great to have something that's that I, I try to keep a real stiff uh, piece of cardboard that's maybe about seven, eight inches long. That's only four to five inches wide. And it's something that's really easy if you don't have your hook. You know, if you don't want to use a hook and you just want to put that barrier between you and the animal, I think that's a great, great uh, way to do that. Darren had a good question, by the way, about that problem hatchlings. Did they come from defensive parents? I thought that was a really good one. Yeah. So Darren asked, do problem hatchlings come from defensive parents? So I'm not sure if he means that problem in they're also defensive like or defensive problem like they're or... not eating. But I'm guessing sounds... he means defensive. Yeah, I'm gonna, it sounds like he's I'm talking about defensive. Yeah, like yeah, gonna... is is the parental uh, disposition heritable upon offspring? For me, I have clutches that are consistently defensive. My Okatee clutches always defensive, and then I have clutches that are always flighty, and most of them chorus or uh, correspond with the parents behavior in my opinion and that's anecdotal from what i see but it's pretty damn consistent hmm. i can i can, you can pick out a morph of snake that i sell and i can tell you if it's flighty and never have worked with it i can tell you its behavior that's how cool. that's how much or how consistent it is so i, I have a i have a good comparison with uh probably one of my calmest jungles I've never, she's never struck. She's never hissed. She's never, uh, had a defensive coil in any way. Uh, her name is Gemma and I got her from Andrew Paris and her mom, when she is not gravid from what I hear from Andrew is the exact same way. Is that a correlation? I have no idea, but I think that that's a great question to, to, maybe start keeping track of, okay, like, you know, these particular parents happen to be, you know, real a-holes. Are the babies the same way or not? This guy was an a-hole when he was, uh, when he was a hatchling, I got him from headhunter, uh, reptiles. And I mean, I just went into his, his tub happens to be right in front of me. I didn't go in there with the hook, like I said, to do with routines, but I mean, he stopped with the whole striking and being defensive uh, about a year ago, maybe, maybe a year and a half ago or so. And, and now, I mean, the only time he's, he's striking and ready to bite is, uh, when he's ready to eat. And that's the only time he's going to do that is when it's, uh, when it smells like a rat or a mouse in here. So this is Shinobi, by the way, guys. Shinobi. Where do you come up with these names? Um, uh, oils T typically it it <laughs> uh can so normally it it requires some creative <laughs> riley smiling you guys know something oh, i dude. don't know um <laughs> uh, i didn't know this was such a personal question sorry it's a it is a personal question i i, I have to be in the right state of mind <laughs> to be creative to <laughs> cheers i'm gonna get another beer <laughs> all right so i keep a i keep a list and uh i have a note page I keep a in list my too. phone and i have a list of names that i would use it's gotta fit the personality though <laughs> to get back to darren's question um 
so my nice zebra, nice my uh my zebra to zebra clutch that i did last year um, god that the, was a beautiful the, beautiful clutch but parent. thank you thank you um i still have two males from that clutch and they are uh aside from the super zebras i'm keeping my pair of supers that i got from that uh but i have two male zebras still kicking here and they're probably my most high stress uh prone to bite um hatchlings in that rack some of them top five probably and um both of the parents are different in their levels of stress management but the zebra female i got was very high strung and i used to just call her palm blaster well for the first couple of years because she would bite me in the palm a couple times a year just turn around from a dead stop to like like as an adult and it was not pleasant. Um, and then she ended up mellowing out after over, you know, a year or two of handling and working with her. And so now she, I can handle her without hooks, no problem. And then the male zebra, he's, he's like really twitchy and he's very alert and inquisitive. He recoils back, but he never struck. He's never tried to bite me or anything like that. Um, but for whatever reason, that entire clutch was they all have a good streak of the devil in them. They're just mean as hell. So you know what, it is what's, what it is. what's funny is that as so being a little more focused on on jungles just in the last you know four to five years, a lot of people tend to to have this opinion about zebras being a little more defensive, a little a little. I hate using the word aggressive, but that just definitely a little, a little less confident and which means more striking, more biting. Um, in and general, jungles seem a tinge that way to begin with. Right. I mean, for my asterisk asterisk here though, asterisk. my MI clutch, my MI clutch was like angels, all 16 of them, not yeah. a bad bone in their body. Last, Never last year's, last year. Yeah. Yeah. The striped ones that I just had. Oh, the, yeah. Okay. Yeah, the one, they uh, I they're all they're all angels, dude. All just saints, like to the point where for the first four weeks of feeding all of them, they would all eat, but not a single one of them would strike the food, and I'd have to leave it in there and just be gone in the morning. All of them, it was insane. It was way too consistent of an outcome in so many different factors, hmm. and I've had everybody who's gotten one for me tell me how shocked they are at how like placid and docile it is. Some first time yeah. jungle owners got a couple males for me and they're just like, I don't, I don't get it. The reputation is that they're, they're awful. If you met yeah. my zebras, you'd be like, yeah, this is a, this right. is a jungle carpet. This guy's a jerk. So, you know, but, what sucks though, is that too, too often, I think in the, in, in the reptile hobby is that people get too discouraged about, a, a baby that's defensive and that that's going to bite you a little bit, man. It's like, dude, just mm -hmm. calm down. If you're going to get bit, you, it hurt more to hit your elbow on your dinner table. Yeah. So it's take, take it the bite out. and, yeah. and deal with it and work with your animal. And you're going to have an animal that's going to be inquisitive and, and, and moving around Some... and, yeah, I just, some babies I, I think they're way more enjoyable. Some babies learn that you're not responding and they're not getting any feedback yeah, from your behavior. They're not do that. And they realize it's not eliciting the response they intend. So they stop doing that because it's not giving them positive feedback. So some babies learn. Yeah, it's not quickly. productive. And if if you know, 
if we were all scared of snake bites and all that stuff for little things, nobody would keep rainbow boas. Those things are just jerks from day one when yeah. they're born. They pack punches, man. They bite harder than my carpets do for sure as like day born, like newborn yep. right then and there. <clears throat> and they all do it. They're all little spring loaded staplers. They're terrible yep. as babies. So, but they mellow out after about a month or so of going through and picking them up and cleaning and changing bedding and doing all this to get used to it. Yeah. Do you think there could be anything to the fact that something like a maternal incubation clutch is probably incubating like a week or two at least longer than say something that's in a, an incubator as far as development goes? I mean, there's there's definitely something to be said that slower and longer time is usually going to yield a better result. Um but my MI clutch, and granted for anybody who's, you know, listening, I did one um, eternal incubation clutch once so far. I plan on doing it in the future and, you know, collecting data on it this. It's really fascinating to watch. You learn a lot after the fact. And, you know, the hypothesis that's been presented and heard over the years is that it results in better uh, feeders bigger healthier mm -hmm. babies and typically more calmer dispositions um and so i'm only one clutch into this sort of you know never-ending experiment because i hope experiment. To do as, yeah yeah i try to do as as much as i can um and and just sort of see what the results are and uh so far in one clutch out of 16 babies um not a single one has been bitey on average, they're about uh, 50% larger than previous uh, hatchlings I've had. That's so nice. in the, it, dude, it's very profound. Um, yeah. In the first handful of carpet python clutches I produced through artificial incubation, I was typically getting uh, hatchling size anywhere from 18 to 22 grams. And uh, in the MI clutch, there was not one baby shy of 25, I think. Wow. And I'm pretty, wow. Sh and I'm pretty sure the average was 29 grams. So, like, they, were the, si they were the size of small hatchling ball pythons. <laughs> um, as far as their weight goes, they were That's still amazing, skinny, man. small eggs. Yeah. And so, and, and then, uh, yes, much better, much smarter, much prettier, better eaters all around. The best. Um yeah. But uh, ignore that. Oh, sorry. Probably loud. <laughs> Has um, anyone or does anyone incubate python eggs at just straight up a lower temperature so it'll take longer? I think the trend is that people are doing that now. They're starting to drop their temperatures because, you know, when I first got into this, even, you know, eight years ago or whenever it was, uh, as far as the hobby side, um, people were still really, you know, preaching pretty profoundly 90 degrees incubation. And, and it was definitely was like, 88 to 92 at the very, yeah, you know, that's dropping. Most, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and most people I talk to now do 86.5. Really? You know I mean, Oh yeah. A lot of Python guys really like that number. Um, yeah. You know, it just seems to work well and you know, it, every clutch is different. So uh, like that and my clutch I had babies were coming out on day 59. So that's not like that. That's much not later. too late. No, no. And, and I have uh, the, uh, the temperature records for uh, ambient and just at the top of uh, the female's head in the nest box. And um, I would have to like pull it up to look at it, but 
Um, not only was there fluctuation from day to night as much as like, I want to say eight or nine degrees, uh, you know, in a range of eight or nine degrees. So as low as like, uh, like 82 point something at the lowest. And then at one point that the clutch got to like 92 for a couple, you know, at a couple points. So there's a huge range in fluctuation and they still hatched out right around the same time as clutches that I've had at artificial incubation. Um, but I think what, what is making the difference is the, the contact from the female, um, you know, the eggs get to get to breathe and then they get a break and then they get to breathe and then they get a break. And so that fluctuation in temperature, I think is pretty natural and probably good for them. Um, cause the biology, why is that so egg, hard for us? Why is that so hard for us as keepers? We like control. Like, we like control. I, we like to be able to control it and regulate it and say that what we did worked. I could have hatched probably two jungle clutches up to this point, but I, I pulled eggs when I probably shouldn't have the the mom was perfectly wrapped around my first clutch that I, that I, she, you know, had a successful pairing, had some eggs and I was too much in control. Just like Riley said, like, Oh my God, I, I, you know, Mr. Anxiety, I've got to, got to do this the right way. Well, I should have just left them in there. My, my incubator wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. I missed all the signs. She was gravid. I missed that. I was thinking she was just barely starting to build. Um, and I think what Riley was just talking about with the whole MI thing is I think more people needed to kind of just, I, I know I, I shouldn't say you more people. I should say me. I could comment on that better than anybody else is that I need to be a little more observant of the behaviors of what they're doing maternally. And I think that, that what they're able to do by themselves and fluff temperatures of eggs in such a such a sharp amount of time. I think that's amazing, just biologically speaking, of how they're able to do that. Um, but yeah, we have to have our hands in on everything, man. And yeah. sometimes we just need to back off. Just, well, and just I enjoy them, look at them, observe them. Yeah, and I can't take credit for like thinking about um, giving eggs natural fluctuations. Like that is not my idea. Like that was come up with from somebody way smarter than me way before me. And it just happened to overhear somebody talking about it in reference to what they do. Uh, I couldn't even tell you where or who, but, um, it just made me think about like what eggs typically experience in the wild. And then when I was doing research for the Madagascar giant hog nose, I was looking up the climate in various places around the Island, figuring out what the highs and lows were and what these animals experience. And then going through whatever research papers I could find and figure out what they did for nesting and den stuff. And, uh, it ended up being kind of interesting. <laughs> I don't know where Riley went. I feel like he just exited himself from the chat. Well, he couldn't have exited himself in the chat because, and of course, Andy's going to pee while this is happening. So I am here. And I think what's interesting about maternal incubation and there's Riley. I don't know, man. <laughs> you just, I was like, Andy went to go pee and then you just dropped out mid-sentence. So like, that was weird. Okay. Well, yeah. Thing, you um... came back incredibly fast. Yeah, it just instantly, like, I uh, clicked the private chat, and all of a sudden, it was like, you're out. And I was like, I need to go back. And so I just quickly did something, and there it was. So, I literally um, only said the words maternal incubation while you were gone. Oh, well, 
it's uh it's worth doing it's worth experiencing um your animal's behavior changes entirely so the the jungle that i did mi with last season i got her as a baby from todd at psychotic as a yearling about a yearling and she was mean she would bite she would stress pee and stress poop all over me until i touched her and uh and it took like a year and a half two years to get her to mellow out to the point where i could handle her freely without a hook and then she was like my best animal i could take her to educational programs she's a sweetheart she's an angel uh i bred her three years ago and then um last year bred her again and after the first breeding everything was great like no issues whatsoever um no behavioral changes anything like that got around food and everything was good after last uh season's clutch of striped jungles um she came out of it much more ravenous and hungry and i'm assuming it's because of the maternal incubation and the extra two months um without food um but i conditioned her very well going into it because i was planning on doing it so she was very like well fat store ready um for the clutch and she was she's a big animal so like she's perfect candidate for it um and she did marvelously like she came out of it and you know i held her up and was like man if you pick this animal up and like you didn't see the sunken belly from you know um being vacant of eggs from her overduct overduct like this animal is healthy like she has great body condition you couldn't even tell you know she looked a little um like extra skin in the back for a month or so afterwards because she was so big but like dude she handled that that whole clutch really well the mi situation but now she's super super aggressive like in and out of the cage she mm -hmm. she's like looking for food it's very clear her motivation requires food like that's what she's going for and it doesn't turn off she's like trying to catch up caloric you know caloric intake wise she's trying to put that back and i think she's she's you know feeling it so it's interesting have you done this with any other animals or is she the only one She's the only one so far um, this year. Uh, I am planning on uh, going maternal incubation with uh, my albino Darwin, who's been breeding a bunch for the last month with uh, the male het. And uh, I've caught a bunch of bunch of locks and she's behaving like she's been paying much more attention to thermoregulation. And I've got my fingers crossed that she's going to go for me this year. And the reason why I want to do it with her um she's you know a fair amount smaller than the jungle but she's a good size and she ate really well leading up to the season um but uh, darwins are notoriously hard babies to feed at first from reputation and because of the hypotheses about you know am i potentially influencing the ability for them to eat better um and then my one clutch doing MI and all those babies eating really well from the get-go. Um, I'm curious to see if the reputation of Darwin's, you know, and their stubborn feeding habits, yeah. if I get a different result from going maternal incubation with the Darwin clutch this year. Fro frogs and lizards, right, for Darwin? So is that what the... Yeah, lots of lots of little, little skinks, little geckos. Um some frogs yeah small lizards out there so i've got um the reptilinks uh three pack sent in the freezer it's got 
a null, uh, gecko, and frog scent. So I've got three three things right there, and then I actually have a bag of Europlotus shed, um, oh, nice. like a Ziploc bag that I got recently. Um, so I, you know, I I can do that. Um, so I, you know, I try to like remember everybody's techniques for certain feeders that are not just like yeah they take rooms right off the bat anytime somebody throws out a tip i i remember it i just like it's one of those things it's an invaluable tool to at least have heard it once because yeah. if you hear it once and it might be the craziest like plan f it's, in your tool worth, bag it's worth if shot. it works oh, if yeah. it works yeah like exactly yeah. so um just being prepared is invaluable we got to remember to come back and revisit that, man. That's going to be really cool to see how the MI clutch for that yeah. specific. I'd like to do it for well. at least a clutch every year just to put as much data together because you can only make so much of a strong inference off of one, you know, sample. You need yeah. a lar as large a sample size as possible. So, um, yeah, yeah, we'll see. I, I definitely want to do at least one or two MI clutches uh this year i'm wait i our buddy scott actually has an incubator for me i still have to connect with him and get that here get it set up and get it going before i feel even comfortable i mean this, we're months away before eggs are coming up. do it now do it i now. know i know i know is I'm this like your first like it seems like you have a lot of animals coming up and yeah. this is going to be like a really big year for you uh, in comparison to years in the past 2020 man is going to be <laughs> our year i'm so excited it's going to be freaking huge and i'm just like trying to soak up as much as i can in terms of wisdom from people like riley other keepers that have been doing things and i just want to I, I've done things in the past where I just wasn't paying close enough attention to the to the small details, and uh, and I've missed too much. So I I just I need to be a little more diligent, pay a little you know pay closer attention to what their behaviors are, you know their their body, what they're, what's what they're looking like, um, uh, and just be ready. I, you know, life is. Uh, the good thing is I don't have you know if I don't have any babies, it's okay. You know, it's it's not going to make or break me. Uh, well, check but, this out, Andy. If you get a clutch of eggs, let if you don't have an incubator ready, let the female take them. Yeah, she'll do what she does at first is just at least where she decides to lay them, right? And even if she abandons them, because you are managing the climate of their enclosure and your room to the most you know best of your abilities, right. chances are they're still gonna hatch. So Ryan Dumas had a clutch of carpets from a jag a couple years ago, and he let her go mi, and she held them and beehived them. For about 42 days she even ate on them and then at one point abandoned them oh, and then I didn't coiled up underneath them and then just straight up left them he just left them alone they hatched that's awesome <laughs> yeah that's awesome so. okay just a thought see Food little things thought. like that i think is just super encouraging for all the keepers out there though you know because sometimes we're not set up for incubators or we're not set up in the most ideal situations and it's like you know just go for it sometimes as much as i should it have sucks. i should have went for it uh, yeah i, I mean told as, me to let her mi two three years I, ago or I, two or three years ago i was like i think if i just let her do just, it Let's, yeah i think you i think you did i'm pretty sure you did at, and i was like no i can't do that i can't at the very least <laughs> if it goes south you still obtain experience yeah. and knowledge from that experience you know like that occurrence you still learn from it data is data that's information that makes you better informed for the next time in the future even if you don't get any babies out of it 
you'll still learn something. Yeah, I think what's hard is that trying something new and especially in the beginning and like every clutch means so much to me most of the time, you know, yeah, like it all means so much that it's so hard to take that risk to do any right. chance to kind of screw and mess with things a little bit. Yeah, I, I mean, I tried breeding carpets two years before I was successful and two years of like aiming for something and falling flat on your face after you put money into it. It's just costing you more money down the line. It's kind of discouraging when you're first getting into like a certain species. So it took me three years before I was successful breeding carpets and I had been keeping them a couple of years before that. It's not like I grabbed adults and was like, oh, what would they breed? Like I got them, <laughs> raised them up, started putting together a group. And then the was, first two years that? I had animals that, oh, they won't live with me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to sell them wholesale on Facebook. <laughs> it's my retirement. <laughs> <laughs> No, but you just have to be patient and learn from your mistakes because everybody goes through those growing pains. Nobody's different. You know, like, you know, it might seem like somebody's just hopped onto the scene and they hit it out of the park first try that they're like posting about their, you know, snow carpets the first year they tried. It's like, you know, that's awesome. Like, but they probably duffed it several times on a few projects before that. Like we all do it. So it is what it is. Yeah, I think I I also just empathize with that guy who's like, I've had these damn snakes for five years, finally got eggs, like Hell hopefully yeah. I can get some money Hell for yeah. damn rodents this year. Nothing yeah. wrong with that. I, yeah. Nothing hey, wrong man, with that's, that. That's all I'm, that's honestly at the end of the day, um, if, if I can, if I can pay for my rodent bill with some of the babies that I sell, man, I'm golden. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. I mean, my mm -hmm. son helps breed rodents for his animals and for some of mine and stuff, but uh, it, it's honestly, it's, uh, you know, we can try to maintain this collection and, and if we can get some babies, awesome. I mean, there's still new species that I haven't done yet that I want to do. Uh, Morelia being a big genius on my list that I really want to get really good at. I don't, I don't want to be mediocre. Uh, I really want to dial it in, but it's going to take a lot of those chances and, and figuring things out and collecting data and, um, but it's, you know, it's the fun part of it for sure. But it's not, it's never been something where I feel like I have to do it either. I've kept snakes a lot longer than I've uh, bred. I mean, I could have been breeding snakes for probably years and years and years ago had I really put a lot of energy into it. And I just never felt like I really had to. Uh, it wasn't until probably at least eight years ago where I felt like, hey, I want to kind of transition or shift my focus and do a little more focusing on breeding. I, saw I guess Jeff's, that's a thing uh, too. too. Oh yeah. Yeah. But I guess, they're, I guess they're breeding right now, Jeff, Mr. Jeff fruit. They are breeding right now. So yes. He was asking Doomerals, about Doomerals bows. If... Doomerals bows are incoming, buddy. <laughs> nice. That will be awesome. I mean, that will be, will that be, well, I guess, damn, you're used to live bursts. For most people, it's like I'm used to hanging around with Colubrid and Python people and they're like, holy shit, I'm going to have live babies. But I guess you're kind of used to that. Well, you know what though? Even eat, no, not at all. I've, I've missed every signal there is to miss on the Doomerals boas, man. I've, I've messaged so many people like, what the hell? I have a litter. Um, my youngest female, that she was a new acquisition, actually, just a couple, uh, I want to say two years ago. 
they have a, about a six month. Um, so anyway, I missed every, every sign there was, I, I totally just didn't think that they went and she ended up having a litter. They were all stillborn. Um, that sucked. At the very early part of this year, my big female, my older female, she had a great litter. Um, and again, I missed it. I just, I wasn't this, the, one of those things that for as long as I've been keeping on the breeding side of things, it's different. There's extra steps that you need to take with your animals, you know, palpating for follicles. I'm not good at it. I need to learn. I That's, can't do it either. You know, I, I get, I get a little reluctant with the pressure and, and, and I'm not quite feeling, um, I'm not quite feeling what it is that, it, that I need, need to feel. And I think that that's something where that one-to-one, that one-on-one mentorship sometimes is where it's so beneficial. There's not very many people like me around here where I live. I, I'm just going to put it out there that my local reptile community is like, it's weak. I'm calling, I'm calling you out. Everybody out in Salinas Valley, freaking lame. <laughs> Lame. Is that near any like major city or is it uh San Ho? Whereabout is it? Uh yeah, it's close to the you're, Bay Area. You're close to South Bay, right? San Ho. Yeah. So I'm in yeah. like a, I'm in the Monterey Bay Peninsula in California. Right. Sweet. So I guess that's kind of a thing that um something you said before, like you never really thought about breeding. And now I feel like the mentality is everyone's thinking about breeding before they're even keeping. I agree. Well, it's because that's what they see first because the, the, yeah. the influencers that are out there in the public eye, that are also typically breeding. So, yeah. That's, I mean, a lot of those guys make their living that way. Damn, Andy, send her to me. <laughs> she's, she's so badass, dude. She's right. She's is that a yearling? In, she's in shed. She is... Uh, 11 months old so this is this is just i'm putting this out there for jeff so jeff seems to appreciate the doom i love doom rules man they're such an incredible species so jeff that's for you buddy hopefully you're able to see this and um that's just one of them nice Uh, it's one of those like just iconic animals that most people they're I go over dick. people's houses and I'm like, wait a second, you have a doom rolls boa? It's like that yeah. one snake that everyone kind of covets and has, and they just have one of. They're just not like anything else. Yeah, no, they're. they're... Yeah, they're awesome. totally different. I'm glad you like. I'm glad you like her, Jeff. I have another one right next to her too that I can pull out. That's pretty freaking amazing too. You should see the male I picked up this year. It's going to be for my future breeder male. Um, for those two females to just kind of outcross uh diversify the bloodlines and and i wish that that's where as collectively as a hobby i wish that we can have a little more say in getting together with other countries just for the sake of being able to import some newer animals or newer bloodlines or connect with zoos that are able to do that because i mean the 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 gene pool is pretty shallow i mean you really do need to look out and see who you can connect with there are some Dumerals breeders out there that are, they've been so good to me, me being, uh, I, I, I've been keeping Dumerals for 12 years, 11 years. 
I just had my first litter this year, early January this year. Again, I missed all the signs. Normally, they would have been being they would have been born July, August, September, and the, my pairing was so far off that they ended up, you know, she ended up giving birth in January of 2019. So, if that gives you any indication of, of how shitty of a breeder I am with tumorals. Uh, so, <laughs> well, it's a large. But, I mean, it's a heavy-bodied animal too. It seems. It would seem difficult. My, you should see my female. She is, uh, uh, she is just muscle. She looked big. I honestly, when I, when, when, when I was looking at her, uh, somebody with experience probably would have said, Oh, she's gravid and she's probably going to be dropping the litter. And, and here's your pre-lay shed. And I was over here thinking like, Oh, she's primed and ready to get paired up. (laughs) No, (laughs) no. I was so far off. So, uh, but I'm learning, you know, and that's where just having some humility, reaching out to the guys that have more experience. I don't care that they're younger than me and just being like, man, help me out. Any tips that you can provide, man, please help me out. And there's so many awesome Doomerals breeders out there. Um, we can name drop all night long, but you know, they're, uh, uh, I think uh, at the end of the day, just have some humility, you know, and reach out to the guys that have done it successfully and, um, and even if it's not with somebody that's successful, sharing tips and tricks with each other, I think that, that's how we're all going to progress. Yeah, I think we've gotten to, uh, unfortunately, we're at a point where like back in the day in the forums, I feel like people talked much more about husbandry and stuff like that. But now it's just more like what, what locality is my carpet python or what is my carpet python? Like instead we used to have in the in-depth discussions and not me these are other people people just a little bit before uh, an older generation than me but uh you know the, and they would go back and forth hey, about are you calling me old? Like, no are you calling no, me old? Saying, I, I won't i won't say that i was there i, I wasn't there i was too young he's to be there that's all Andy's old. we are older yeah that's, that's true andy's old <laughs> andy's hey. old Andy's older than all of us. Shit. Oldest man in the trio right now. Just saying that for the record. Don't you forget it, old man. Actually, I'm younger, but the fact that I had kids made me age faster. So take that shit. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I like right. how if you go You're from right. left to right, it's like a it's like a hair loss ad. Hey, hey. hey. I only have hair because I haven't shaved it in a couple weeks, bro. <laughs> hey, Look, you have a, you some... get yourself a 16-year-old daughter, you won't have shit for hair left. Look, gone. Gone. That's right, grow a beard. <laughs> I don't even My know if I can grow that hair anymore, hair, man. <laughs> Just grow an epic uh, mustache. <laughs> So uh, Riley, are you trying to like start a boa war with uh you got a boa out yourself? Oh, yeah, don't start with me. Don't this start is with me. uh, for those amazing. of you That's who are watching, <gasps> yeah, this is a, a holdback. Uh, one of my females, this is my highest orange holdback, who's the most like her mom, uh, in color. She's also like snappy, like her mom. She has not grown out of it at a year <laughs> and a half old. Um, but yeah, this is. This is one of my females. I kept uh, 2.3 from that litter um, because there were just so many different phenotypes and I wasn't sure how they would age. So I kept one of each in a favorable ratio and 
Um, so far, the stuff that's taken on after Mom has been the best. I think I might have sold some holdback quality animals by accident um, because if I was aiming for something like like that, <laughs> it was maybe. difficult. No, I know I you, sold some holdback you, quality animals. You, yeah. There's a, there's a gentleman in Arizona who has five of these babies from the first two litters. Like your both first of them. litter, your first litter was. I mean, all, all the litters from that mom. That pairing is fuck. Oh my god! Dude, I so I I kept two point two from the first litter, and I sold three of them, so I only have one of them left. I should have got in on that um, first litter. <laughs> You, you've had uh, you've had so many things that I just still I, like. Oh, I should have gotten in on that. Oh, I should have. I've sold quite a few of them to experienced keepers who have had a very difficult time with them. So yeah. really, um, I, ra- yeah. rainbows rainbows aren't for my room. Not at this time. It yes, that's that's the point right there. Is I'm glad you brought that up. It's the room. It's not your ability as a keeper. It just really depends on everything else you have in your room. If you have a big warehouse full of retics, you're going to kill your rainbows. I can't That's tell you right now the heartache that I I I wish people would know the quality of animals that were in my collection as short as just two years ago um, that are no longer in my collection and it was it's an, and also Joe I just want to give you a huge shout out to your community this comment section is awesome. <laughs> I just. I wanna, feel like I just, we usually oh, don't stream at ignore Ryan. Eastern, ignore so Ryan. People usually. Ryan, uh, Ryan your hairline. Person. I don't know about your hairline, but if you know <laughs> my hairline, Ryan, you can Ryan's like hair. Ryan's a very young man, but he's a lumberjack. And Ryan's Jeff, a lumberjack. hey Jeff, just FYI, yeah, man. If you want to, if you want to, uh, if you want to sex by Spurs, hundred percent. Um, in my experience, it's been a hundred percent of the time. If you see visible spurs, uh, that is a male. Is that like an S and M thing, Andy? So, uh, I cannot comment on that. And that's why I've been married for 15 years. What? Good night. What? No, I am just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so what is it about when you say, when you say like, you can't keep it in that room, why is that? Is it the no, ambient my room, my room humidity is... or the ambient temps or no, I just mean uh, Riley. It like comes down general. to ambience. Yeah. Oh, so sorry. the ambience with these guys, no, Andy's dead on though. Like he's keeping boas in there that require drier temps. Uh, you yeah. know, dumerals can take fluctuation in seasons. Roses they don't take like dry humidity. pits. Yeah. Pits like a dry Yep. Um, a lot of different things. These guys need very high humidity, especially when they're younger. And as adults, if you don't have the humidity right, because they have rather thin uh, layers of skin, it'll get stuck and tear pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, dry habitat can lean towards like uh, respiratory ailments, things like that. So you really just got to keep minimal ventilation, but high humidity and, you know, just think about how you're keeping them. But, you know, a room humidifier, bedding that can take a lot of moisture, large water dish, like there's a lot you got to do. And you can still totally duff it just because like you have a huge warehouse or something and the airflow is just so much. It's impossible to retain humidity in there regardless of what your ventilation is. So sometimes it's just like the space isn't built for it. And a lot of people will either keep them just right 
or cook them. These guys don't like, you know, excessive heat. Um, you know, if I had a spider, adult, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry, Riley. No, I was just no, go for it. you hit it right there. That's what it is. I mean, that that difference between babies and adults is such a huge variant. Mm-hmm. Babies do not work in this room. If I had adults, if I were to acquire some adults, they'd be fine in this room. Yeah. I think you can, probably two you can soak an adult and help of out. a rainbow. Yep. Yeah, the first I, I, couple of years are, are tough for them. If you don't have it right, it's just not going to go well. And that yeah. can't be like but overcome by sphagnum hide or anything. I mean, you can. You're just, you know, think about how much work you're going to have to put in. Like, if you have a dry room, you can. Not, not if you're ambient. That. Yeah, I Not mean, you're going to have to, too high. You're gonna have to think about like, yeah, you, yeah. If your ambient is too high, that's a anything above eighty five. Yeah, anything yeah, above eighty five yeah. for a baby rainbow, you're done. You'll you'll cook for a cons- for, sure. for 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 a. Uh, for a considerable amount of time, Mike. I mean, I'm not saying that above 85 and they're gone. I'm just saying if it's anything above 85 for a fair amount of time, your baby, yeah. ra- you know, rainbow. Like if, like if your AC goes out in the middle of summer and you have a heat wave uh, coming through, they're screwed. They're really screwed. They don't do well with extremes for long periods of time. Man, let's they move get on to really a good You're bringing all kinds of memories right now, dude. You're being... Yeah emotionally uh difficult so so rainbows are on the way by the way that being said 2020 i've got uh i've got uh a litter going right now the female seems to be pretty much done with the male and getting thick so i think she might be um do you think she's oh dude gorgeous joe joe have you have you uh have you been watching that female that female is a beast it seems like Jeez, you've got her like on like clockwork because it seems like you're yeah. able to breed her year after year. I mean, yeah, yeah I could pair I could pair her once and know that she'll take. I know exactly when she cycles. To the is week. that part of being? That's how why much of that like is the animal. The how much is that you dialing it in? Yeah, she's yeah. the she's the only animal I know like that, but. She's also the only female that I've had as long as her. I've had her in her. I only got her as an adult, right? So I didn't get her as a baby. So I didn't have the pleasure of raising her up and getting to know her that way. But um, I got her at what I assume was probably five years old. Um, Bred her that season after slimming her down because I got her in like, I think I got her like early 20. You got it was, it was it was in the spring. No, I got her. I got her 2015. I bred her 2016. Yeah, I got her in spring, and then I bred her in 2018. And I over the time I brought her down in weight because she was way overfed. But um, I followed Dave Collins' recipe for when he starts altering temps and how he cycles his animals. And with rainbows, they're very distinct in their behavior, at least in my experience. They really will tell you when they're done with a male, when they need a break, when they're swelling for follicular growth, and when they're swelling for ovulation. Like, it's unmistakable. They are just very easy to read body language-wise, in my opinion. Um, The males are always interested, 
as long as it's the right time of year, the females will always abide as long as it's the right time of year. Soon as you start seeing the female and male not instantly together the day you're putting them together, that usually means they either need a break or she's done um, if they're not in shed. So if they're in shed, they're really not going to do much. But like if you start putting a male in and he's got no interest and you're you're like the end of January, early February, they're done. Either she took or she didn't at that point. Um, usually uh, that's when they're going to the, like the late December, early January breedings are what matter the most in my experience. And they take a long time to then take that, go through follicular growth, have a shed and go through the cycle. And then they spend a few months basically cooking because they go another 120 days after that. So usually I don't see babies earlier than August. But you've That's also, fun. and you've, and you've moved these seasons that you produced them. You've bred her during a forest fire. You yeah. have, uh, <laughs> yeah. I forgot yeah. about that actually. Shit. Mm -hmm. That's right. I have photos, I have photos of her insane. and the male locked up in uh, a pillowcase in uh, a, actually in this tub that my foot is on right now down in LA at Mike Renault's place in uh, uh, LA and West Hills uh, ADD reptiles. I evacuated from the fires, packed my car up with all my animals and pillowcases and I just threw them together because like they're not going to eat each other. They're not cannibals and it's December. They, this is when they breed. This is great. They're super compatible yeah. this time of year. They don't they don't need much heat. The ambient in the car will be fine. I get to Mike's place. Their house ambient will be fine. And he had plenty of rack space available. But I was like, nah, these things will just be fine right here on the floor. And I look in there, and they're locked up in breeding. And I was like, well, forget you. I'm paying attention to everyone else. <laughs> and then I had I had a killer litter that year. So they're the Thomas Fire babies. Yeah. <laughs> it's just funny that you know you have a baby who you need to fight so hard to keep it alive. And then you have these adults that are just so solid. Breeding them seems to be the easy part. It's just raising babies up. They're very, uh, I want to say delicate, but when they bite you, you're like, how are you delicate? They have just a very thin skin and they desiccate very easily and they don't tolerate excessive heat. They got some crazy jaws on them though. Dude, their heads are so long and big as babies. Their heads are really big for a baby. Like, proportionately, like, if you look at a corn snake baby's head, like, yeah, it's a little bit bigger than the body, but, like, it, you know, it makes sense. With rainbows, it doesn't make sense. It's like a crocodile's head on a little yeah, snake long. body, and it just opens, like, 135 degrees, and they just, wham, and they just yep. hit the crap out of you. It, 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 when a baby rainbow hits you and you just watched it, like literally enter the world and it bites you and you're bleeding. You're like, what? Yeah. What yeah, the how? hell is that? Yeah. Agreed. So they, 17 they year old BRBs from simply serpents. I, I love your comment section, by the way, Joe, seriously, man, this is awesome. Sweet. Somebody's yeah. These are all, by the way, like these are all people that, I mean, Riley probably knows James. Lewis yeah. I know. Ryan a lot Cox, of these and like all these people yeah. are just, our friends who like to hang out with us so yeah i don't like we appreciate them you know. hanging out with us sorry andy, I don't hang andy, andy uh, this is what you've been missing um i don't blame you 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 have family obligations i'm not i'm not saying you've done anything wrong but i'm saying welcome to the world because this is like there's like a good group it's a good community that follow uh, like i ignore my stuff. kids 
I, I, I kick them out of the house and make them fend for themselves on the streets. Perfect. So we'll interfere with turn, the turn your way, children. Yeah, you're like, yeah. this is a podcast lifestyle now, all right? We're going to do live streams yep. from yeah, 10 right. to 12 and talking about, about maternal incubation. <laughs> We're going to throw burritos at you. Rainbows. Oh, don't talk about food right now. Uh, what about Guyana rainbows? Uh, Ryan was commenting on them. He says that those that? are cool. Dude, I'm on the fence on rainbows, but I saw some import Guyanas. Yeah. So, Guyanas so yeah. Beautiful. The Guyana red tails are beautiful. They're a true red tail. Um, Not a red get... tail, rainbow. Oh, the Guyana rainbows. Yeah. I missed that part. Um, <laughs> All right. You still have to learn how to read. I can teach you. Yeah. Uh, Spanish first, bro. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the uh the guyanas are really nice they are uh they're a darker base color and if you're familiar with the colombian rainbows the epicrates morris um they the the contrast and pattern shows up much more when they're babies and as they get older that base pattern comes to life a lot more and it ends up being more of a maroon mahogany and what that does is it reduces a lot of the contrast so if you're looking at a rainbow boa species for uh, distinct markings and standout patterns, they're going to be somewhere in between the Morris and the, the Centria, the, the, the Brazilians. They're somewhere in the middle. Those guys and um, the, uh, the Argentinian rainbows, they, they're like in between uh, contrast as far as, because some Colombians go darn near patternless. They like don't have any pattern. Like they're born with quite a bit and they lose a lot of that. I love Earth tones but yeah, if you like that color palette, it's really, really rich and pretty nice. And then all rainbow bows have that nice rainbow iridescent. So if you want a rainbow iridescent sheen, you can't go wrong with any yeah, of them. But it just rainbow. depends on what the color palette you want if you're interested in morphs. And <laughs> What's up, stuff. Hector? <laughs> Your boy, Hector. <laughs> hey, you tacos. know what? Greetings. Ooh, I want tacos. I'll take that greetings if you come over here and cook some for me. What Yo, kind of meat? We're- what kind of Where's meat? Where's them tacos? Yo. Lengua. I'll take I'll take some tacos. Ooh, shit. Look at this white boy talking about lengua. I lived in <laughs> Dallas for like a day. I learned some things. <laughs> uh, I also wanted to let Sarah's inspiration know that my red background is festive, but it's not ironed. Had I... <laughs> it's not ironed. Sorry. It's, it is red and festive. Correct. It's just hiding boophile enclosures, though. I'm back. So you don't get the reflection of the the light on the glass like I get. See, I'm classy. See, I'm classy trying to block reflections. Dude, I had to build this fucking wall behind me. (laughs) Hey, but that's hammer and nail. Yeah, right. I thought that was a fabric. You, You fucking kidding me? I built this, dude. Dope. I don't know. That looks good. <laughs> <laughs> we had we had Colin on the, the, the pre-show. I forgot what happened. But um we were with Colin and Mike from, from Crosstown and he referenced something Communist and he life. kind of referenced it being immovable in an actual wall. I was like, dude, yeah. you fell for this shit. I, don't I know. actually maybe I, I actually, gave it away. Honestly, I love I've watched your stuff online on YouTube and, and I actually love the background. I think it's great. That's why I was 
I was like super hypercritical of myself. I'm like, oh shit, we're gonna be on video. I thought we were just gonna do <laughs> I was like, oh no, I gotta get something to hide, you know, my blue masking tape and stuff. No, I think I mean to be honest, most people, I mean, these are all just our friends having fun of them. Most people, <laughs> most most people are going to listen on the audio in which, by the way, this is probably the worst podcast to listen to audio because there's little yeah. things going on that either yeah. we're giggling about yeah. or like referencing <laughs> things that we're showing. I blame it on you. You're the damn host. It's your fault, man. Am I together? <laughs> oh, my <laughs> Jeff's calling me a communist Mexican. Um, I mean, what kind of what kind of folks do you have on your freaking chat? Holy shit! Hey, Mos- I Moscow, Moscow. I got people calling me Taco Land. Man, yeah, I like how I like a- how you called uh, called us out for getting distracted with the chat, and then you guys started joking about how I would be distracted by the chat, and then Andy's the one being distracted by the chat. <laughs> Same. It's a fair point. I'm playing into it. Hey, two against one. I'm used to it. Yes. Oh, I was about to say something way inappropriate. No. Nope. Is this where I ask like what your podcast is about, or is it too late to do that? What podcast? No, let's do it. Okay. Oh, it's this. I, one. I like Andy's. <laughs> No, we're stealing yours, Joe. We we kicked you off. We uh, we sent yeah. Alyssa a buyout contract that she's not in North Carolina visiting her parents. <laughs> she's in Miami, balling out like swoop, 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 swoop. I just made millions of dollars. These idiots just bought my podcast. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, if that is the case, I mean, I can fill the whole house with animals now. The bedroom, right. there can be animals everywhere. I want to see oh, a proposition. I can't wait until my my cage stack is in my bedroom. My my wife is like chomping at the bit, waiting. And your son's into it too. Yeah, my son. I mean, so my kids either it's it's a choice. I mean, dis be disowned or be into reptiles. <laughs> Fair. I would have never. So my my wife at the time first date. One chance, one question. Do you like reptiles? And she answered correctly. And now we're we've we've been together for over twenty years. That's half my life, man. That's crazy. I literally I talked to Melissa about that on the first date as well. I said, "Listen, I breed reptiles, and this is a Hell thing, yeah. and it's not going to stop. Hell yeah, it existed before you." And you got to be cool or you with out? that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You on the team yeah. or you off? That's Hell it. Hell yeah! And I, I mean, I think you out. <laughs> I think that's kind of what you have to do to be respectful and not waste your time as an adult. You yeah, know? yeah. Don't the first waste time, my Rachel. Time. I'm not going to waste yep. your time. You don't have to put it in like your Tinder profile or anything, but you know, nah. just bring it up. The first time Rachel yeah. came, uh, Rachel came over. We hung out. She came over to my spot before we like ended up going out and. uh she saw that I had the master bedroom in the house because I was renting this room in Summerlin on the hill. And uh, there's my bed sort of in the middle of the room under the window overlooking the ocean. And then literally 41 court rack on one side, 
a wall that went up about 12 feet of cages on the other side. At the foot of the bed, there was a big wooden cage with, like, more cages on it. So I could, like, wake up and just look up and see, like, snakes cruising around and then cages behind that. So, like, you had to, like, sidestep around cages in order to navigate my room. And that was the first thing she saw when she came over. So it was like, I didn't even talk about it. She just came in, and if she she didn't run out screaming, it was good. So, like, yep. Um, I'm trying to, I want to try to find, there's this picture that I saw earlier this week of this guy who basically his bed dude was on top of a giant enclosure. Oh yeah. And he had oh, the enclosure above the okay. bench. <laughs> I, I want like, that. So, I want that. The headboard so, is an enclosure. Yes. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I saw one where like it was a, a king size mattress on top of this like yes had to have been like a seven by nine foot like enclosure with glass on three sides and it was like big with lights and there's a big old like berm underneath it or something i was like you know what the only thing i have against that is the fact that all of the vibrations would end up messing up hey 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 you just find an engineer who knows how to do a suspended like suspension with cushion spring foam insulation you're good he's on top of an enclosure and the headboard is a reptile you're never getting laid and you don't have to worry about it and you're fine Or maybe you're always getting laid oh Yes, and three kids or, later. Um, unless, unless you're <laughs> unless you're married or in a relationship, then it just doesn't matter. You're gonna be sleeping on the couch anyway. Uh, no, that's <laughs> uh, depressing. Oh my god! But it's like you, so, you know, yeah. I think we've all done that where we fill up our make it. And so Ryan and... said, make it a welded frame. So my wife and I were actually discussing bed frames uh, for our doom rolls. Our doomerol, uh, all of our our breeder adults are inside of our our master bedroom, and then pretty soon, all of the breeder carpets are going to be in the master bedroom as well. She's waiting for me to finish the flooring in order to get the cage stacks up there. But we were talking about getting some sort of like a big enclosure underneath our carpet. Guys never get laid. Ball pythons breeder nonstop twenty four seven. I beg to differ, but uh, <laughs> Ryan Ryan knows nothing about either subject. Moving on. That's tr- I don't you know what? I don't know, Ryan, whether you heard or that not Ryan. Riley is you heard it. Correct, but I'm gonna agree with him just for the sake of pissing you off. Ryan, you're a wonderful guy. But you heard Ryan, that. You're not a wonderful guy. Because you heard that too. Because you said I didn't get laid <laughs> and I got laid twice yesterday, so <laughs> anyway, so Matt. Uh, anyway, so yeah, Doomerol's bow is underneath our, our mattress. We were thinking about doing something like that, that kind of integrated, uh, I just want to do a communal setup. I mean, damn, (laughs) you all right over there? Me? Yeah. Why? I don't know. Dude, I would just be, I would be scared if like, you know, I just accidentally kicked the front glass or something like that. Oh, dude, I do that all the time barefoot. So honestly, if you get thick enough glass, you're just going to hurt yourself. <laughs> That's fair. You'll be fine. Glass is strong. I'm glad yeah. Riley's done this before. <laughs> dude, I've broken plenty of toes. We're good. Tempered glass. I know the threshold of when they break, and glass is stronger than your toes, trust me. Uh, he's going full-blown Owen tonight. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm almost there. <laughs> 
And dude, I mean, do you I have like a more. do you have like an 88 degree hot spot at the foot of the bed, at the head of the bed? I mean, what's the plan oh, there? I'll make it whatever temperature it needs to be. Yeah. Oh. This I is getting this is getting wild. Yeah. Hold on. <laughs> let's let's get, let's come back. Let's okay, get wait, back wait. to the podcast. Well, yeah, we need to get back. We need to roll back. Sorry, my yeah, bad. Let's go back. Let's go back to the podcast. Your podcast. He didn't, what were he we didn't talking warn about? you. He didn't warn you about me. <laughs> yeah, Andy is uh, almost as bad, if not worse, than me. Sometimes. At what? Potentially. Uh, I think you guys are both great. I think we're having a Mike, good time. So, Mike Kaziski, you need to display your empties. <laughs> oh, uh, damn. Right. So, you guys are like really going here. Once again, for the audio crowd, that would be uh, five beers for uh, for Andy. I got, and, I got two more underneath. And four for oh, Riley. Whoa. Uh, yeah. And uh, nothing on my end. Sorry, guys. Simply serpents. Uh, nothing need... on Joe's end. Nothing. So, 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 Joe, you have a constructive criticism. Yeah. What's that? They they do not like being on the Eastern Time Zone during these late podcasts. Yeah. No shit. Me either. <laughs> well, I mean. <laughs> It's December twenty third. Gotta do what you gotta do. And he's got kids to feed. See, no, they no, no, they fend for themselves. <laughs> Party on Wayne. Negative. Have. No. They have two choices: Christmas presents or food. They can hunt and, neighborhood cats. And I'm guessing in two days they're gonna have Christmas presents. <laughs> fair. It's fair. <laughs> But it's like, yeah, man, it's late. Mike is behind. Yeah, I see. So Mike calls us out, and then don't call us out. (laughs) This this is what this is what you will get during our podcast. You'll always be one or two beers behind, right? Riley's like, listen, it's not this bad. I mean, Uh, I hope. I mean, I'm trying to curb my liquor, but I'm terrible at it. (laughs) I mean, I I wouldn't know any different. To be honest, and I'm the sober one. Yeah, yeah. Well, unless oh. you didn't just burp right there. <laughs> now I know. <laughs> this is an extreme audio experience. <laughs> for for everybody wondering, that was Joe, not Riley. Yeah, that really could have been anyone. <laughs> Sarah oh, will accept Christmas presents over food. Only a couple days away, Sarah. It's called fasting for a good reason. Yeah, he wants to so... see me get it No. No, right. So, yes, would you want to keep that. community under your bed, Andy? Joe's trying to run. I'm trying I'm trying to rally the troops. Uh, do- oh, do- oh, oh, fuck, man. Let's we were talk talking about the podcast. Trying- oh, yeah. All right, you guys go do your sh- – or Riley, you have a spiel. I do? Seems like you, you seem like oh. you want a spiel, dude. Hey, I'll spiel right now. I'll spiel? Spiel all, I'll spiel all over this place. Oh, uh, my God. Uh, I mean, uh, here's my spiel. <laughs> that sounds I'm bad, offended. Too. I'm not wearing a trench coat and showing this off for everyone who's just listening. That's bad, too. Uh, for why? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll rewind the live stream. 
No worries. Yeah, you, you can edit this, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, cut this out. No. Cut this out. So, so Andy and I are um, a couple episodes into recording uh, a new podcast. We, uh, I shouldn't say we. Andy um, launched our. We we recorded um, like a pilot, I guess, but we're not like pitching it to a studio. It's a pilot for us, but it's more of like a promo. Get to know you intro trailer. Yeah, pilot. yeah. It's like it's like seventeen minutes long, um, and it's just a little a little blurb. It it got the the feed going so we can get everything ready and all of the uh apple and google feeds for all the podcast platforms it's already getting put up hey riley the major yeah we 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 lost the host of this podcast already so apparently that's, a, our, that's okay you weren't our uh, promotion anything. i can still hear you He's on camera. I'm purpose. the people our, uh... listening to this on a podcast platform are gonna be like what the hell just happened um if ever yeah. there was a time to log into your damn <laughs> and watch the time. Because the best part is you can't cut it out for the live audience right here. So they're they're seeing all of our, our hosts. We bored our host to the point that he left. And he said, "Screw you guys." I know what he did. You don't know shit, Riley. <laughs> yeah, oh y'all, bro. I've been oh, I've been doing. Hey, <laughs> that was thirteen, bro. Um. Uh yeah, so the podcast. <laughs> oh, you man. said you've been keeping That's snakes bad. since you were thirteen. No, I've been keeping snakes since I was eight, but oh. I've been doing something else since I was thirteen. Oh, hey, hey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wrangle them in. Yes, sir. Sorry to all the listeners. Um. So the podcast. Oh shit! You, yeah, that's right. You didn't get there, did you? I was almost there, and then Andy derailed yeah, me. I, I blame um, Andy on that one. So we are me no speako English. So we just we just launched an intro thing uh, yeah. to get all the hey. feeds going. So it starts on all the podcasts. It's up today. Andy got that rock and roller. But we're basically just like waiting on some of the. Uh, the other platforms to like just approve it because they just have to make sure the the rss feed is authentic and everything works well and uh and it'll mesh with all their servers um and so like google and apple they just have like a review process that takes longer than platforms like stitcher yeah um so it's going up it's been already approved on a lot of things so you can start looking up uh, reptile room podcast on a lot of those platforms and in a couple of days it will be even like more widespread once those other uh, companies sort of approve it but the idea is um, right now there's sort of no no ceiling to reptile podcast content or just reptile content in general right because it is such a, a blooming market right now like those of us who have been around for the last like six seven eight years have seen its change the people who were there before us 30 40 years you know into it right now have definitely seen it change so i don't think anybody can deny that it's growing and it's evolving and there's like kind of a limitless potential for it right now and so with that comes a lot of growth and knowledge and understanding and so when we can put that out there and a lot of people can really just communicate and further sort of keeping everybody up with the pace of sort of where everything's at and what we understand as a whole as far as species husbandry or techniques or technology things like that um 
there's sort of like a never ending need to spread that information in as many ways as possible. And nowadays, like because forums require you to sit down, not do anything else, cycle through a page, look through it. It's a lot more work intensive, whereas passive consumable content like podcasts and videos and things like this, that's where everybody can put like a ton of focus without solely focusing on that and still really absorb what's coming out of it. And so I think that's been the most beneficial tool to people coming into this market, this industry, this hobby, whatever you want to call it and learning about it is like the best way to do it. So we started uh, talking about it and I wanted to do a podcast um, because you can just listen to it on anything, anywhere, anytime, driving, gym, uh, at cleaning work, snake shit, cleaning Honestly. snakes. Like, yeah, we all do that. Right. So, um, it just seemed like a no brainer. And because I was already doing like the YouTube thing, which I wasn't a huge fan of, cause I'm like kind of awkward when I get stale about like what I'm putting out visually in, in like, a, a YouTube show. Like I, I definitely felt times where in carpets and coffee, the show that I did 50 episodes of, um, at times I was just kind of reiterating some things and it just kind of felt stale. I didn't have a co-host. It was just me by myself. Whereas with it's hard to drum it all from yourself and do it alone. Yeah. It's really hard, man. Yeah. And to keep it interesting, even mm -hmm. when people are telling you that they really appreciate what you're doing and it's wonderful content and they love it and they're getting so much out of it and don't stop, keep doing like all the supportive comments are fantastic, but, um, it, it still is different. Whereas doing something that you can put in a podcast format, just because of the unique way that you can consume it in so many different ways throughout your life, makes it kind of, you know, the, the biggest audience essentially makes it the most useful. And that's the whole point of even putting out content. It's not for me to go back and watch later on. It's so somebody else can get benefit out of, right? So, um, you know, we all watch certain people's channels because it's either something that we're interested in or we really like learning how they do something that we are interested in or whatever it ends up being. So um, a podcast is no different than that. It's just in a different format. And so Andy and I have known each other for the last five years and we talk about stuff all the time. He'll hit me up when he's got Doomroll stuff going on because he knows what I've done with rainbows. And although they're completely on the other side of the world, He's just at least, you know, hitting up a, a nearby friendly, familiar resource for information. We end up getting this continuous back and forth discussion all the time about different breeding and husbandry and some of the overlap we do and don't keep. And I, I love all the pituophis he does. And I understand all the rainbow or excuse me, the, uh, the rosy bow stuff he does. Uh, but I don't keep that stuff. So I like keeping an ear on what he's you know, talking about because it's really interested to stay in tune with it without having to keep it in here. And he has that same feeling with me um, and some of my species. And so just over the years, we've talked so much back and forth. When I started thinking about, you know, I need to transition from this YouTube thing into a podcast. Um, I just kind of realized like, okay, I need to have a, I need to have a co-host, somebody who I can talk to on a familiar level like joke around with have casual conversation with just totally BS and, and let, you know, stuff ride. But at the same time, you know, also have good inspirational spirited conversation or be able to handle interviews and professional type scenarios. So uh, a lot of it seemed to just sort of speak to 
um, what what Andy could bring to the table. And he's just, you know, an insanely authentic guy. He has a wife. He has three kids. It's a very relatable situation to, you know, the majority of reptile keepers because there's folks like you and me who breed and we go to shows and we bend <laughs> and we, we put out a lot of that stuff. But that's kind of like the rare side of it. The majority of folks, you know, go to their local pet shop. They keep a handful of animals at home, but then they still tap into all these veins of information around the industry and they still keep keep tabs on it. Right. So like we can talk to breeders and we can exchange information that's relevant to breeders. But at the same time, there's this whole other massive ocean of people we're listening to this content, chomping at the bit for more. And they're definitely taking everything that breeders share between one another because eventually a lot of them do get into breeding. But a lot of these folks just want to know how, you know, you keep and you keep and so and so and all these other people, different, you know, climates and areas keep because it's just this never ending evolution of technique of how we do this because it is such like an always like fluid and growing thing so and we all want to talk about these subjects and we don't necessarily have friends in your area to talk about them so to listen just to listen to people talk about it is like so nice to have to be honest yeah yeah i mean we're in a globalized world we can reach people in anywhere along the world as long as there's a you know wireless signal and it's really easy to share this information pretty much instantaneously um and everybody benefits from that because essentially what it does is allows the folks who are innovating to also use that same timeliness and spreading their ideas and thoughts and information to what's working for them. And everybody benefits from that inevitably. So it's like a super exciting time to be working in the reptiles because like everything has been so stone age for the last like 30 years. Like it's just really in the last hey. 10 years, thermostats have changed enclosures have changed lighting has changed field research has changed shipping companies have changed the ability to heat your animals has changed humidity like literally tell me something in the reptile hobby that hasn't changed dramatically in the last 10 years everything has whether it be snakes geckos lizards frogs crocodiles tarantulas like Across the board, innovation is skyrocketing right now. I'll tell you so what hasn't changed. Hmm. As a bunch of ignorant, stubborn-ass, old reptile keepers that, that will not accept new science. I mean, but if we oh! can't control it. No, you're <laughs> I'll right. let that one breathe a little bit. <laughs> no, you're totally right. There yeah, are certainly because we can't paint a broad brush oh, across it. We can't paint a broad brush that say everyone's converted into this new way of thinking. There are oh. always folks who are hard to switch, right? And that is what it is. There's I'm value hard. to that. I'm stubborn. There's value. <laughs> There's what else did you call me? Stone Age? You said, what did you say? Yeah. Stone Age? Stone Age. Stone Age. Yeah. And yeah. receding hairlines. What else did you say tonight? Oh, no, no. I didn't say that. That's me. <laughs> oh, okay. I got well, the, like, the McDonald's. I said about both of you guys, but it was because uh, I love yeah. you guys. But the point is, the point is, like, there's more than one way to successfully keep a species, right? So some of the guys that are, like, stuck in the way they did things in the 70s doesn't mean they're wrong. But what's always fluid and changing is, like, taxonomy and stuff. And some people just don't want to accept it. And that's fine. 
like taxonomy stuff is irrelevant. You're going to keep the snake how you keep it, regardless of what you label it in a book or what you read it as. It doesn't matter. So like you can dispute that all you want and that can be friendly and healthy and good, you know, dialogue, of course. Um, you know, keeping things in the forefront of our analysis as we understand these animals more is always healthy. So, but when somebody comes up with like a, a, a proper or a better and improved way of keeping an animal or maintaining its climate or a schedule of feeding that seems to agree with its uh, digestive abilities and things like that, to deny something that might impact an animal's well-being and health is, you know, that's where you need to ask questions. But otherwise, like we're in a super exciting time where everything's improving and growing and evolving and changing. So um I love putting out technology. more yeah it's great like we can use so much of it i've got cameras that watch things and i put my thermometer probes in such a way where i can hit pull up my phone and look at the thermometer at the other side of my room and make sure the climate is okay and i can do that while i'm at work just to make sure like i've estimated what i need the thermostat and everything to be for the day based on the climate outside because it changes a lot and i'm still getting used to things out here so yeah exactly having that stuff is great. So it's just, you know, keeping up with the technology and stuff is sometimes kind of a lot, but it's there's a lot. more than one way to skin a cat, you know? So I think the whole idea of putting out a podcast is to connect with as many people as possible. And that like what I call the 95% because like if 5% of everyone who keeps reptiles are like the breeders and the companies and doing it, the other 95% are the people that have, as few as one leopard gecko or one bearded dragon or, you know, just a handful of like a basilisk, a green iguana, a ball python, you know, whatever it ends up being. Um, and they just kind of go to their local mom and pop shop, but they still consume that information, that content and the understanding to take care of their animals. And that is always evolving and always growing. So why not, you know, contribute yeah. more to that, to the betterment of everyone else? When I retire, I want to be that local mom pa shop. That'd be sweet. Uh, it's gonna happen. That'd be cool, man. It's gonna happen. Sure. Yeah, I think I think the whole, I guess the hobby as a whole is going a lot more towards pet keeping, like as of late. And I think that that mentality, it was what will actually eventually make this into a much better industry. Where I was talking to like James Lewis today. Um, we were just talking on the phone and it's like, maybe if people went and bought reptile yeah. supplies from reptile companies, instead of buying a Sterilite tub and putting all these makeshift hides in there that they didn't actually put the money back into the reptile industry. Imagine these keepers that they're buying a snake and you know, the snakes, you know, 75 bucks, man, but it's kind of like an aquarium fish where. They're going to buy the tank. They're going to buy UVB light. They're going to buy the supplies. They're going to buy all the things that go into it. Not only is that a better situation for the animal, because hopefully we have education and supplies to do it properly. So it's like it's better for the animal and it gets, you know, things like UVB, which is something that doesn't happen now. And it's kind of debatable. And I understand that I'm not saying everyone needs UVB for your animals. There's I certainly don't have it, but there's, there's certainly a of, is a lot of research pointing. Yeah, that's that's the cool part is we're going to eventually learn and understand that better. So in order to you should probably embrace the future now and make your life a lot easier or at least know that that's where it's heading. And 
I think it's a bit, it will be a better place for the animals, but it will also bring so much more money into our industry. If we have breeders that go out there and instead of selling a snake and then telling the person to go, yeah, dude, just put it in this size rack, whatever, whatever, instead telling that person to get like an actual setup where they spend actual money on what they put an animal in. Cause now people are, are just buying $1,200 animals and putting them in $5 tubs. Right. Why don't we yeah. flip that shit on his head? Because, I mean, why don't we all, – and all that's doing is giving we'll, we'll it to another guy own. who thinks he's going to get rich in reptiles, which really isn't benefiting the hobby at all. Right. Look, look into look into doing naturalistic setups. Look into um, – Naturalistic is fun. It's, it's funny a lot that you of mentioned fun. UPB. I actually just got a text from uh, the sales manager at a local reptile shop here. Could I have ordered some UVB bulbs from Amazon? Or from some other place that could yes. sell me something wholesale. Yeah, he just texted me, you know, and said, "Hey, Andy, your UVB bulbs are in. Did I pay a few bucks extra?" Yeah, it's a local mom and pop shop. Um, but I think as a community, we need to do a better job to support those specialized stores up in Sacramento. GX3 Grant. Good example. And they're popping up. There's actually more of them, which is crazy because pet stores yeah. are going down, but like those specialty reptile stores are doing great, those which is awesome. Shops, go support them. You know, yes. go go 100%. spend that extra. If it's going to cost you ten dollars extra for one visit, guess in terms of monetary value, how much more value you'll get as a consumer going in. Let's say a year down the road, something's going wrong with your particular animal and you go in to talk to that specialist shop where you, they actually have employees that know what they're talking about and they can help you through a situation. Can you do that on Amazon? No, no, you can't spend the extra dollars, go in there, buy your crickets, go in there and buy your rodents. If you need to, you know, whatever you need to do and spend that money, invest it so that in the future, when you need that help, you have yeah. them there as a resource for you. Um, I I don't know. I, I think that we can do a better job collectively as a hobby, spending money with people that are specializing uh, in the animals that we keep and in the care that we're keeping. We all make mistakes. I, I was, I'm not going to go into it publicly, but just Guilty. recently Riley um, and I, had been going back and forth over this last few days. Uh, man, yay or nay? Uh, it's a, it's you, man. It's you. I got you. Uh, so, um, we just lost our, our, fuck, dude, I did not want to get into this. This is heavy. Just go straight to it, sharp to the point, so, and then say what sharp, you're gonna say, sharp, and then yeah, cut. sharp and to the point. So we lost our Savannah Olivia three days ago, um, and we were doing everything to the point where we thought we were doing it right. So we're 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 sitting back as keepers, and I say we because it's my family. We all collectively are keepers as a family. It's a family of five of us, um, and she was loved. She was, she was a family member. Uh, she was in, she was not just a, a pet, but she was also an educational animal. 
she definitely took a huge decline. We're, we're trying to go back and trying to figure out things, but we look back and, and I'm starting to put pieces together. I'm like, okay, what could it have been? Was it UVB? Was it diet? Was it what part of husbandry? And I think we need to collectively as a hobby, just make sure that we're on it as keepers. Where, where did I fail as a keeper? Um, whether it was something natural, whether it was something that was something that, that was out of our control, we don't know. Um, but I think it's important to always look, <clears throat> whether we have one animal or a hundred animals, are we doing what we need to do? It's exactly like Joe said, look at it like a pet perspective. It's your pet, it's part of your family. Are you giving it what it needs? Uh, and I think I failed her in many, in many ways. I think we all collectively did. Um, and that's a super tough thing to accept. So anyway, I'm going to follow up with that and say, Andy's, Andy's I can't believe I just public. I just, I can't believe everyone, uh, everyone who's listening and watching and, and going to hear that Andy's full of shit. They didn't fuck up. They didn't fail that animal. They didn't do anything wrong with husbandry. That's the most Some, something wizard something keeper ever. I feel like we did. It is what it is. It is what it is. That animal had cycled for you last year, produced uh, infertile eggs. So what she was doing was she was going through cycles. And as soon as an animal starts hitting maturity level like that, especially with a shelled egg producing species of reptile, there's a whole host of complications that can come from that. And they're very, very notorious for getting impacted, right? Yeah, they certainly can be. Or they just, you know, because they haven't been bred readily in captivity, you just don't understand them that well. Because um, there's, you know, there's My a wife cheese is import. devastated. That was her baby, you know. And, and one of the, I'm getting hit up with like crazy notifications on Facebook right now. Uh, <laughs> Turn it off. Yeah, seriously, I don't know how to. Um, so, um, she was she was uh, an incredible monitor, even from the point of. I mean, my wife had her from the point she was a captive hatch. Had her from around two to three months old, and up to just a few days ago. Um, definitely loved. I think we we. There's a few points that where I feel that we definitely could have done better. So looking back at, at her care, and I think that we should always do that. Look at your care. Can you do better? If you can, accept it. I mean, I have to accept it as a keeper. I, I, I do think that there's certain parameters of her care where I think I failed her. I need to accept that. And, and, so whatever it is, whatever choice we make moving forward as keepers, we need to improve on that. I think UVB was one of those. I'm glad you mentioned UVB. I just got that text to say, hey, your brand new bulbs are in. Should have probably got those brand new bulbs a couple months ago. Yeah, but it I, I, I don't think trust it, me, was, it wouldn't. I don't it think would it not, was UVB. It would not. But no, it would not do something so dramatic. Trust yeah. me, man. Yeah, I know, but still, it's when just, you're working, uh, when you are working with a biological entity, there are too many factors at play for you to just, even with 
full necropsy, blood panels, tissue analysis, sending things out for PCR, like it doesn't matter. You can get zero answers doing every single possible biological test there is out there. And your animal just passed away and you got nothing. And that's how it goes. Sometimes that is how it goes. I don't and know. I've that plenty. That's deep. Sorry. Sorry, Joe. Well, no, well no, I know exactly. We've all been we've all been there yeah. in one way or another, and it's like uh, with just not knowing what's going on. That's so common in reptiles, and it's like the worst part. It's like when I when I first started keeping, I went out and I bought you know a bunch of snakes, and uh, well, when I first got the idea to breed, and then I picked up a bunch of ball pythons, did all that thing, and or then just yeah, no. Royal. Uh, <laughs> I don't want nipper. Where are we? What? Yeah. What, what continent are gonna, we on? Nipper sorry. is going to go out and do something very nefarious if we say that the four-letter B starting word again, referring to Pythagorean. You mean that thing that looks like a ball in your hand? That snake? Say that Royals. He's going to kill some. You mean you're basing the common name off of this fake myth that some Egyptian princess wore it? That's not even real, man. That's not hook. even a real thing. And it's a gonna, ball python. It's in a little he's ball. Gonna kill, he's going to kill the... If we say it, we can't do the hook. We got to watch. We got to watch out. Nipper, sorry. Nipper. How does Nipper I'm have you. this much impact on podcast throughout so <laughs> okay stop right. he's sorry, gonna go like freddy versus jason on them oh, all no. right you guys can listen to the mpr episode if you don't know yeah, the yeah, record yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right so that's my fault. um so yeah podcast relatable andy well no but i was man. i was saying Quiet, you know kid, it happens boom, boom it happens to the best of them and it happened to me it went through like my whole first collection i lost like half of my animals and i went through all the treating them and then watching them die one by one and then all being treated with different things all while with a vet doing all of this and trying to figure this out and doing you know necropsies on everyone that died and seeing that there was obviously some type of internal impact, but it wasn't didn't really make sense with what they knew at the time. And I mean, I'm guessing, you know, it's probably something like nidovirus or something that happened. But uh, yeah, I think that that's probably much more common that things happen and we don't have the understanding to uh, okay. to come to a conclusion at the time. I mean, to Always. go back to about four beers ago when we were talking about control of things. I mean, that really, bless you. Uh, Whoopsies. <laughs> what about four beers? Three, maybe two beers ago. Uh, I mean, yeah, we, 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 we want to try to control as much and when we have a collection, we want to try to control the wild animal. Um, whether we have it in an enclosure or in a tub, I think we, we touched about this a little bit in our, our second episode of the podcast in terms of tubs versus cages. And uh, Riley's standing up. It's very good. Like the Darwins were. Are you sponsored uh, or something? Like, that Darwins was like a were... really good placement of that beer. Wow. But I, I think that we we generally try to control as much as we can when it comes to our collection. 
and to our detriment or to our benefit, that's that's something to be said for, I think, at the end of our keeping experience. Um, I think looking back, I think if we can provide what, what we would, quote unquote, be our minimum requirements and see how our animals um, behavior is based on those requirements and what are we basing on those requirements on typically it's going to be based on on data that we've collected from people that have been out in the field people that have gone out there and studied those animals and we're going to this is where based on that this is where a lot of like value uh reverts back to mentorships like Yes, we can consume information yeah. from all over the world digitally, like get it and get good information, right? But, um, I mean, experience is the best teacher. That I yeah. mean, that's that saying is as old as the dirt we're all walking on, right? So, and it's very true. I mean, anybody who works with these animals long enough, you you can read as many books and talk to as many people as you want, but until you go through the motions, like. It doesn't seek in until that point. And um, it's just really interesting because there's a lot of information out there. But, yeah, you really got to you gotta put the time in and really figure it out and dial your animals in. Well, it, I think one of the things that, that that's tough to admit to is so if I look back at, say, 15 years ago, most of the people that were keeping Savannah monitors at the time were thinking that they, we need to keep them like, it's an African de- desert. Most of the time you were getting an animal that was a wild caught animal or a captive hatched animal and you were keeping it like it was in the desert. You were basically uh, dehydrating it from the inside out. Now you have Savannah keepers that are basing their keeping methods based off of actual biologists out in the field that are saying, no, these animals are spending time inside of a of a burrow that's 70, 80% humidity. They're coming out Mm -hmm. at the the peak basking time. They basked for a little bit of time and they're going back into their hide uh, for the rest of the day. And then towards where humidity is higher because of microclimates. Exactly. That's not something that, I mean, the, the reason why it's so devastating this time around for us as a keeper is because we had that, more accurate information and yet we still sorry Riley and to a point I feel like we still have failed her uh back so 15 years ago when I first had you know a savannah we didn't know any we didn't know any better so you know to be I mean I you're very uh, you're very you're very humble with it and like you're you're dead on like you really are you really are dead on um and i I really would probably feel exactly the same way uh, if the same thing had happened to me. Um, that being said, you really, you know, everybody who's keeping these animals needs to always keep in mind that there's always that little sliver of uh, the uncontrollable biology where these animals are yeah. going to do what they're going to do. Um, and you can provide an animal the optimum conditions and things just go south sometimes. Like, yeah. um, a really great example of that is when you're like trying to rear frogs or like breed frogs. Cause they go from this really delicate, super permeable egg stage. That's like just a tiny little thing. Yeah. 
and yeah. you can let the parents do what they're going to do because some of them have it ingrained in their DNA so well that they like they lay the eggs in the best spot and it's right where the moisture falls the most and those eggs are going to stay hydrated and then they know how to ferry them to a pool of water where they're tadpoles and they're ready and and then they just kind of know but you can literally do the best job possible doing water changes on a daily basis cleaning that little body of water the little cup those babies are in and adding the right amount of like natural algae versus artificial algae wafers and all these things like you can go crazy yeah. with it yeah you can go and these it. animals will still like metamorphose it or metamorphosize into like a froglet with spindle leg or yeah. extra limbs or just some deformities and you yeah. could have been doing all the water quality testing on the water that went into that animal's environment and yeah. made sure the parameters are right with pH and temperature and ammonia and nitrites and nitrates and like the the chlorine values you can literally do all of that perfectly and those animals will still just like every once in a while doesn't matter what you do they're just like no, I, I grew a six limb out of my eyeball and I ate my sibling and yeah. ruptured my stomach and died. And that's just what I it have is. one one Azurius froglet out of twelve in the last year and a half that's actually eating and has survived. So yeah, dart frogs big props to the dart frog breeders. So when you wanna pay a little extra after bread dart frog. Oh hey, my God. The damn Those poor yes. guys don't get anything. Dude, it's so <laughs> weird. I'm serious. Like, if you go I, to I look a, back, Andy's dead on. If, if dead I look on. back and I look at the trio that I purchased from JL Exotics, I probably should have paid triple for that amount because of the amount of experience and wisdom and knowledge that it took to produce the, that successful trio. I should have paid triple as a hobbyist and, and looking at what I've, what I've produced now for my, for my dart frogs now to have one froglet, every egg for the last year, I'm thinking, what, what is it? What, is, what month are we in? December. December. Yeah. It's Christmas Eve now. Hey, I be patient. Numbers are secondary in my, uh -huh. in my mind. Uh, so Uno, eh, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, seis, doce. All right. So basically, for about the last años, pato. <laughs> one, somebody that I actually want to get on our podcast. Yeah, I'm looking at you trying to hide, <laughs> Dick. Everybody, in case you don't know, Riley, he's hiding. I don't know what he could. Dart frogs are releasing ghosts. Such an incredible reference to success because froglets are such an. They're 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 any dart frog. I only have experience with Azurius, so Tinctorius. Specifically, those are those are hard to breed. By the way, one froglet. Well, I I my, have never I've not succeeded breed. with them. 
keeping getting the eggs to make it to a tadpole stage and and from everything that i've been able to determine is is that it has a lot to do with the supplements that they're getting the food that they're getting so i've had to adjust the Oh man, how the hell did we get to freaking dart frogs? Anyway, oh, I don't smoke. I don't smoke jewels. No, <laughs> whatever. Hell no. Uh, no dart frogs. We're just talking about dart like, frogs husbandry stuff. Just husbandry. being a master of yes. husbandry. Yeah, the the Azuras. I was gonna let you on. go. I liked where that was going. Okay. No, right. it's so, awesome. So, no, please, Andy, so keep going because Azuras are hard, man. Okay. I've bred a few different species, and I have not ever gotten anything over a froglet this big to survive. I've gotten tadpoles to morph out, and then yeah. they just tank. Okay, and it's it's so right all now, about gut loading, in my opinion. Yes. Okay, so Travis Dutchman from TCS Dart Frogs, an incredibly humble dart frog breeder. He's an awesome dude. Seriously, anybody that doesn't know him, he probably is more on Facebook, I think, than anything else. I have no idea what you just showed me, Riley, but I'm guessing it was of an illegal substance, and that offends me deeply to my soul. I'm going to be going into, I don't, whatever. Anyways. Hey, Dan. So, yeah, bad, bad. Why am I friends with you? God. Wait. I like it when you do that. It's like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> so uh, Travis uh, was telling me, I was talking to him. I was, I was trying to explain to him that all of the eggs for the last year that I've got have not made it to the point of, of actually getting to a tadpole so they haven't uh, i'm thinking of the word riley help me out metamorphosize you come in. metamorphosize metamorphosis yeah both of you get credit for that more star for both morphed yeah morphed would make more sense you win the ultimate I, That's okay the so for anybody That's the shorthand but you're right so for anybody that doesn't know i i homeschool i don't homeschool my wife homeschools <laughs> our children so uh, okay this is funny so Anyway, uh, I have not been able to get my. Okay. <laughs> I can't, I can't like move down in the water. They're like in the water basin while like bubbles are going through and just pull <laughs> Actually, I might try that because my tadpoles might actually survive with a little bit of better. Uh, water at that point just so, leave the water they'll be very you? hungry they get stagnant yeah and grow, it so. might actually be better that's a good dude point. watch them watch them like grow hella fat and hella fast <laughs> oh, who knew that bong water was actually really good for your tadpoles? it all smells right. so anyway, almost as bad as pond water my almond leaves that i use okay trying to circle it back it wasn't that at all. Uh, Travis that I was talking to, to TCS Dart Frogs, he was talking about actually gut loading um, and supplementing the prey items. And he felt that I won't, I don't want to mention specifically the products yet because I haven't been able to prove one way or the other, which is which. Uh, but the products that I've, have been using probably for the last year i did switch since then since that switch 
I have yet to produce any viable tadpoles. The eggs have not made it past. They're they're what fertilized. They, what are you they, feeding? What are you feeding your uh, your adults? I, pr- I produce so I produce all of all of my own fruit fries. I do my own cultures. Um, mm-hmm. I have my own um, media that I that I use. And it's a combination of that was super fast, um, Joe. Do you do you ever uh, do you ever mix in new blood of of fruit flies in there? Is one question, and then the other question is: Do I uh, do you ever supplement like pinheads into their uh, diet at all? Or and how many species of fruit flies do you uh, utilize? So typically, about every four to six months, I try to get in a new two cultures roughly of fruit flies in Mm -hmm. uh it's the dusting that's good good. so it's specifically the dusting supplement that goes what do you use uh we're not supposed to get into like so anyway the reason i ask is because i this is something that i work very closely with at work and because i do three different species of mintels and five different species of dart frogs I see the varying degrees of success and influence certain species of fruit flies and things. So what, what, what I currently do is we grow, we culture two groups of fruit flies. We do, uh, Heidi and melanogasters. We do about three times as many melanogasters as we do Heidi And we're in the process of tinkering with different, um, with different media, we had a company um, that has since gone out of business that would put together two different uh, recipes, essentially designed for these two different species of fruit fly. And um, both of these uh, species would, would produce very well. And they went out of business when it was my time to resupply our stocks. So I went with uh, the next best thing I could find and it was great for the melanogasters, but the Heidi eyes have completely suffered. And they're a little bit bigger and winged. They don't necessarily learn to fly unless you don't ever outcross their genetics. Eventually something will um, overlap and, and these animals will learn to fly again because they're supposed to be flightless. So it is good to inject new blood into your cultures of fruit flies because you're essentially breeding more and more on top of each other. And for a certain number of generations, it's fine. Um, so we're currently experiencing challenges with that and in the process making our own recipe with like potato flakes and cinnamon and naturalized yeast and a few different things um, to see if we can't come up with something nicer but we are also regularly supplementing into their diet a couple days a week, pinhead crickets. And every day, everything is dusted with, I think it's a, a Zoomed calcium with D3. And then once a week, um, we use a, uh, a Rapache vitamin A supplement. And uh, the vitamin A supplement is, it seems to have the most impact with the dart frogs. So Andy, what I was just saying is we do, yep. um, Zoomed calcium with D3 six days a week with like yep. our dart frogs. And because the other oh, frogs only eat, they're fantastic. And then once a week we use a Rapashi vitamin A powder. It's this green powder. And, uh, so all of our amphibians 
in in the house feed on the day the vitamin A gets fed out, and at least one more, at least one more, um, with the calcium and D three supplement uh, across the species, the dart frogs. I I have to um, keep track of their their egg production because it's just off the charts. Yeah, mantellas well, and dart frogs is unreal. It's I'm getting, unreal. I'm getting eggs pretty much. Uh, I mean. So I cycle my dart frogs through a rainy season and a non-rainy season. I, I mean, I, I have, I'm not, I only have a trio of breeding Azurias. So um, I cycle them through a rainy season and then I'm, I'm supplementing accordingly. Just out of curiosity, are you providing UVB, natural UVB? Yeah, but very small amounts. Yeah. So same here, very small amounts as well. And, just from what I was understanding from Travis um, was that specifically the supplement used um, that it could have a very negative effect on the actual egg production and just not being very, just not being a strong egg or not being viable in general. And since I switched supplements, I have yet to produce a viable tadpole. So I'm going to be, um, Switching over to the Rapashi with the D3, um, probably coming up on February. They're just finishing up right now on what would be their their breeding season. So then I'm going to switch them out, allow them an opportunity to kind of recover, re get some new bloodlines into the, into the food and probably switch out my, my media to include more bee pollen. I'm a big proponent for bee pollen for anybody that uses uh, gut loading on whether it be their monitors, uh, bearded drag, anything that, anything that eats insects. If you gut load with bee pollen, it's incredible. I find mm -hmm. anyway, whatever i'm gonna i don't want to get on that soapbox at 224 into this conversation <laughs> <laughs> joe's like curious i'm ready to go to bed <laughs> i Be didn't really i didn't notice we were over two hours until like a couple minutes ago sorry man i apologize no you're uh, good if melissa I was here she would have she would have shut us down like an hour ago <laughs> so I, open know, season I boys I, I, lo I love listening to Melissa's feedback to you and kind of just playing that, that it, just kind of, do you know how hard I'm like, I love it. I love it. Honestly, because like, I'm don't American, do that during I, the show, man. Like, so it, I think it's amazing. <laughs> but, uh, I what? think someone messaged us and said that they're worried about our relationship. Oh, we had, we've had, we've had multiple people. Whose relationship? Ours because who? People don't you and Melissa? Yeah, people don't realize that we fight on the show. But like Oh, yeah. I, I think it's I think it's it's what it is is um okay, so I actually I, I don't personally worry about you and Melissa. I think I think the relationship Well, I'm not worried about that. I don't give a shit what anyone thinks. Other, I just think yeah. it's funny that people well, think Well, and that. you shouldn't. You shouldn't worry about what anybody else thinks about your relationship with Melissa because I think I mean She's the woman that you fell in love with for a reason. You know what I mean? I'm about to so. fucking cry, Andy. Uh. 
Why? It's because you missed Thanks, her. Thanks, dude. That's deep, it's dude. You miss her. It's, yeah. It's you Pick up your four days. Oh, I can't I've had to eat Chipotle twice. I can't cook for myself. I got to go to Grubhub. <laughs> okay. Don't tell her. If she, so might, anyway. she won't listen to this. Don't worry. You can uh, say anything. No, she won't listen. She won't listen. But, uh, yeah. Seriously, people message you worrying about your relationship with Melissa? Yeah. Really? Just because you guys kind of bicker back and forth? I think that's a really cool thing about your podcast, though, is that the fact that my wife would like, hell no, she would not sit next to me to do a podcast show about reptiles. Like, she loves reptiles, but she loves reptiles with me in private. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Not everyone wants to do something like, like it doesn't, there's a reason why it's was not difficult to do. And there's only like six reptile yeah. podcasts, you know, like, and that's a lot compared to, you know, what it was like just a few years ago, but it's like, it's because it's a little scary to get here and be vulnerable and act like idiots. Like we have for two hours and 30 minutes. Like most I, people I aren't comfortable calling me an idiot. First of all, sorry, not, just one idiot. I was, yeah, that one over there on the top, uh, <laughs> that corner, right there. <laughs> that one, yeah, you, <laughs> but it's like, I'm kidding. I'm I just, really I don't think, sorry, and just people don't realize that, uh, or it's not people don't realize, um, I'm the fuck I'm saying, man. Riley's but, looking at his on. phone really weird. Finish the thought. I'm old and blind. Leave me alone. <laughs> I'm glad Does that squinting hell? Video, uh podcast because I don't think this would work if we did video podcasts. There's no way. Maybe. Oh, it's I mean, difficult to try to not it. look dumb all the time. Yeah, Andy. Hey. The one thing, the one thing that really, uh, that really made carpets and coffee challenging. Not uh, honestly, like it was on me to uh, to prepare. Like you know, thinking about what I was going to bring up, but um, you know, I could, I could sort of pander through a topic or no, meander into into tangents and things like that. But the problem is. If you were sitting in front of a camera you're by yourself and you have nothing to talk about, no bueno. No. So, um, yeah, it just got it got challenging because one of the things with looping through a year is you, if you're talking about reptiles in particular, you're, you're inevitably going to be talking about seasonalities and behaviors and differences in feeding and breeding and this. And what's going on right now. Yeah. yeah. And if it's just your collection all the time, it's not going to be that different. So if you're by yourself, it's crazy. And if if you're you're keeping multiple species. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, having somebody else to talk it through with you is fantastic. And if you can put that out in such a way that. Yeah, but I don't like talking to you. Awesome. Me? So you guys gonna do interviews and stuff like that? Absolutely. You like that transition yeah. back into that podcast conversation well, we had about an hour and a half ago? Segue like full circle, guys. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> so and Andy, because he lives in this really nice part of the Bay Area, and he has access to some of the like the Bay Area herpers and some of those guys up there. He's known a lot of those guys for a long time. Yep. Um. Uh. You know, no pressure or commitments to him or or potential guests or anything, but um, he knows a different uh, body of people than I do in that area. We, we have a lot of overlap, but ultimately we both can bring a lot to this table as far as people we know. And it's, there's nothing wrong with interviewing people who've been on other shows before, because ultimately, you know, we're coming behind you guys and, and all these other podcasts that have interviewed a lot of these same people that we intend to as well. Um, which is just fine. Um, but yeah, we do want to have like Dan Maleri and, and a lot of big breeders and things, but because Andy is such like a relatable personality as far as that 95% of people and I like, I'm not, I'm not trying to put Andy on the spot. I'm not trying to use him or anything like that. I don't want people to get it the wrong that. way. It does. <laughs> it does. I think about it all the time, which is why, why like I hesitate when I bring it up. But like it's it's real, dude. Like that's that's part of my inspiration, which is why I hit you up to 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 do this with me. I I didn't reach out to anybody else. Yeah, I feel that. And I was I hadn't even planned on reaching out to anybody else. I hadn't thought about like, oh, if Andy says no, um, or he's not he doesn't have the free time or whatever, and he has you know like, there, I would never take offense to it if I offered somebody like. Hey man, will you do this with me? And they're like, "Oh man, I got a family or this and that." Like, dude, by all means, like that's your priority, and I would never take offense to it. But I hadn't even thought about it. Like, what if Andy says no? Who else? You know, could I have this good conversation with? And I'm not saying there isn't other folks that like I get along with. There's tons of great people yeah. out there. Like, yeah. there's tons of great people that should be doing podcasts. If you're listening to this. And you love talking reptiles, and you're a well-spoken person. Why not try it? You really should. It's cool. That being said, when I was thinking about doing this podcast, I was like, "Well, I have to have a co-host. Who would I bring on with me?" And for like four to six hours at work, I was just kind of thinking about it. What was doing my thing? And right at the end of the shift, you hit me up, and I was like, "That's it." That's who, <laughs> that's who I need to hit up. That's because I'm annoying hit, shit. That's why. It, it, hit, it hit me in the face like a ton of bricks. No, it was perfect. It was perfect. That's awesome. It was dude. perfect, dude. Like, it was great. I was like, ah, oh, well, that makes sense. We talk all the time. We yeah. have good, respectful banter back and forth. And quite often, you... you Did you say respectful? Really... Yeah, you... well, I mean, you're respectful. You have a nice banter for the, the political side of things, and and you say nice things oh. about me and my no, mistakes. I no, I don't. No, you don't. Um, <laughs> People don't even know about <laughs> RPM. They never will. I'm not running Folks, for president. That's he's, the damn he's sure. He's you with with a, a full full just. A bunch of lies. <laughs> well, even from the the group message, just in the last twenty four hours, forty eight hours, 
I don't think you guys have said anything nice to each other. <laughs> no. no. Why the hell would I say something nice about it? <laughs> <laughs> I did the whole time. I just had a mouthful of beer. I, I love this beer all over the place. I, I, I love this guy, man. Hey, you know what, uh, Riley? Honestly, I I appreciate that. I seriously. Do. <laughs> no, I mean it. I really do. Um, yeah, you man. know what, what's funny is that I'll mention to my wife or I'll mention to my kids. You know that I'm about to get online. Well, tonight, for example, Joe just mentioning to them, hey, by the way, I'm going to do a little promotional uh, connect with another podcast. It will just be five hours of a couple guys. (laughs) And you know what? (laughs) Thankfully, that's what I meant to is that she's like, okay, have a good time. Have fun. But that's what I knew I was marrying into. Again, this goes back, Joe, to our very transparency, right? Yeah, that's we're saving right, people's man. lives right. It, right now. Absolutely, absolutely. First things first. Do you like reptiles? Yes or no? If she says or he says, "Ew," bounce. <laughs> okay, that's wisdom from an old balding uh, nah. drunk guy. All right. If Watch she's that. at a reptile show and she's talking to you just for your snakes. Also questionable, also scary, Ooh. also proceed with caution. Figure it out the next morning. Yeah, that's a hey shit. That's a good. That's a very good point. That's another. That's a possibly another episode. Actually, just on that alone. That's a real thing. It's it's, it's rare and elusive. After but. after the wedding ring, it's happened to me. After the wedding ring, like oh, I love you a lot, but let's t- talk about these snakes over here. Yeah. It's what happened. are you doing, Riley? All right, folks. Play I don't with know snakes. what he's doing. I don't even know what I'm doing, okay? Why, why are you asking what we're doing? Anyway, what were you saying, Riley? Something positive. <laughs> <laughs> I think he, he, Everyone's he, watching. Yeah, we're waiting for you. Oh, don't do it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what's he going to do? I think he froze. Oh, what is it bringing out? Oh, ATB? No, don't do that. Your face is right there, Riley. Riley, don't do that. (laughs) Ah, He's bringing out his solid yellow ATB. I have three of them, Andy. This one started orange. You should have. She didn't bite me. What the fuck? Because she loves you, you should have taken that mail. No, this animal hates me. <laughs> oh, here That's we go. Beautiful. So, folks, so how many of those animals do you have? What? Yeah. Go ahead, uh, Andy. You're doing good. No, so I like I was where just you're going with this voiceover. So, uh, while Riley. Hey, Andy, is... do you still have your bicolor? Do you want one? Okay. Hey, 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 hey. Oh, there we go. There we go. Yes. Hey. Okay. Again, if people get discouraged by the the natural defensiveness of a snake. Okay, you you're you're handling Ow! You son of a bitch. Perfectly natural. This snake in particular is such an amazing species to keep. Stop. And people get so discouraged. That's, she Why? just bit me three times. That's probably because you deserve it, but that's beside the point. That's probably because I'm touching her butt. <laughs> yeah, I didn't ask. That I didn't happens. ask nicely. No, that happens. Yeah, most most women will bite you if you touch. Whoa! 
Oh, I saw it. <laughs> yes, yeah, so now the title of the podcast is Riley Bitten by Monster Boa. Stop it. Touching all caps. Stop. Oh, you're going to bite me right in the webbing of like my thumb and my index. That's just rude. So I'm also trying to read the comments in and do like a little bit of a voiceover. But in, in terms of the Reptile Room podcast that Riley and I are recently launching, um, January 1st being the oh, shit. first scheduled, <laughs> <laughs> first scheduled episode to be aired. Uh, everybody can check it out at Reptile Room Podcast. Um, I'm going to have that uh, going here probably within the next couple of days. Currently, our trailer episode is going at reptileroompodcast.simplecast.com. You can find us on Instagram and on Facebook at Air. Jeez, uh, oh. dude, I was about to promote myself. Oh. How horrible is that? I'm just looking at Riley. So, yeah, uh, he got, yeah. This musk is horrible. You know what, Joe? This guy, he's a pansy. You deal deal with colubrids. So, you know. He's on by like Puerto Rican boas and Amazon. Oh, yeah, that does do so. Stop complaining. That is. That is not yeah. Get get slime get slimed by a Sanzinian and a Puerto Rican boa in the same day, and then have to go like digging into a koi pond. Are you and then millennial? Grabbing. I'm a. I'm an old guy, so I can say it without offending anybody. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> that means yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, whoever defined the generational categories for that could have taken a few years off that. Stop biting me. <laughs> Let go of the damn perch. Crazy. Okay. Ass. Reptile Room Podcast on Instagram and Facebook for everybody that's wondering. It's me and Riley, which <sighs> could amount to a bunch of just who knows. Poo poo. Riley doesn't give a shit about your plug. Right <laughs> now. That's I do. It. It's my favorite thing. I love this podcast. I'm super stoked for it. It's like the most exciting thing I have going on next to like getting alligators and being like peed on by this thing. And bit. Whatever. Just <laughs> stop. So, so do we have anything exciting going for Port City Pythons? Actually, you know what, though? Joe, what? you've got yeah. some pretty awesome things that i've been listening to on your podcast oh, no. about your floridana corn your... snakes <laughs> corn snakes are another one for me that i'm just coming back to. how to breed oh riley so i'm you gonna good to... you almost are... yeah that almost was right on the nose <laughs> it... hey i told you stop smelling your armpits just got like peed on and bitten face <laughs> <laughs> This smells so bad. You get so. Did you get bit in the face? Uh, no, she. It definitely got very close to your nose. She got. She got pretty close. So, for anybody that doesn't want Amazon tree boas, you could always uh, hit me up about Dumeril's boas that I won't release because I'm holding them all back. (laughs) Is she musking you? She's yeah, beautiful, she's by the way. So for anybody that, that again, 
going back to Amazon Trebos, I go back to Amazon Trebos all the way back to the old forum days before Facebook. Boop. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh no you did i'm about to disown your ass right now don't boop this new people did that you was a problem boop that shit yeah she missed which is just the best part okay and joe i was about to like him right now i don't know for what but he just said the worst boop. part is that she's like peed on me everybody pees on you bud <laughs> <laughs> in case in case people are wondering yeah me and riley <laughs> we're gonna get in trouble here i think we are man i think we are stop it riley hey, joe, joe you don't have to work tomorrow right snake handling well i, to, I, I do but I, I also i have to drive to new york because I wanted to handle her. That's where my family is. Like, so, yeah, we're going out okay. to New York in the morning. Shit, man. <laughs> That's dedication. I guess. Yeah, I mean, this is fun. Yeah, no, it's good times, man. I, I appreciate I Honestly, I drew. I appreciate the fact that you and I have been friends online for a while, but yet we haven't really quite interacted. And that's honestly a testament to who i am as a person i i don't interact with people i don't me either i don't unless i ask my, them to be on the podcast I, I i just have a tough time just putting myself out there um typically pretty uh pretty reserved and and just i'm just cautious about trying to put myself out there just because i end up getting friends like riley which see through my bullshit well, I think I think it also comes to a testament because like I'm kind of the same way, but it's like the friends who are my friends are usually those people who reach out and stay in contact with you and know that you're kind of that way and they understand yeah. when you're not the most responsive because uh, that's yeah, me, yeah. basically. So it's like, yeah, I don't really uh, – it's not because I don't want to talk to people, but I just generally don't talk to people. That's just not my personality. Yeah, yeah. Despite sure. the fact that we – apparently talk on podcasts now you know but you know what though it's, it's a weird it's thing a it's like great, different no no it's a great way for us to have connected i think for the first time i, I really do think that this is just such a great way for us to have been able to meet each other one visibly not just uh audibly um i don't know what riley he's checking right his now man but <laughs> Fucking dude, he's <laughs> my hand my, is my wife. My wife bleeding all over the place. <laughs> Hold on, come here. This is my gorgeous wife, Lizzie. What's up? She just got home from. Hey, everyone, go go follow. What is it? Liz, uh, baked sweetly by Lizzie. Yeah, baked sweetly by Lizzie. Yeah, she's you a need professional to do baker. And, dude. Uh, that's Anybody? an understatement. That yeah. is an understatement. She is a wizard dessert baker. She's amazing. Love you, baby. Um, yeah, she's amazing. Yeah, she's incredible for real. I mean, in terms of talent, yeah, she's unbelievable. She's she's got some pretty cool stuff. Travis Johnson from Living Legos Reptiles got a birthday cake from her a few years ago. 
uh, and he still talks about it. He's it was at one of the carpet fest or I don't know what the hell it was for, but it was for his birthday. Uh, anyway, she just got home from work and she's a she works in pharmacy too. But um, what the hell were we talking about? My gorgeous wife we were on walked with in something. and just I don't know, man. She distracted the shit out of me. I love that woman. Damn. Well, we were talking. We were talking about the show, and then just oh yeah, yeah, transitioning yeah. into, the fact into that well, yeah, you you're I, going to we don't like each other. We don't get along, <laughs> and we have a podcast somehow. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, it's like you get to. You're talking about like connecting with people, and you, oh, yeah. you're too. just like at dude. You're at episode zero, pretty much. It's like That's you it. could you can do this two hundred times. You like we've we've done this. 125 something some amount of times it's like and that many people we've got to talk to for two hours which is just crazy 246 almost at 247 well not everyone gets 246 247 all right this is yeah pretty big time well that's riley's fault well if it's if it's a negative thing it's riley's fault if it's positive it's it's because i'm awesome i think we may have gone We, I think we've, I've gone three hours with Riley before. Yeah, yeah. I bet, man. I Not bet. But not much of a talkative guy these days. So, man. so it's funny. We've gone three hours before, but uh, what's cool? He's just making on, faces. Really though, Joe, is that the fact that we've been friends <laughs> on Facebook though, but we've never actually like gone out of our way to connect with each other. And I think that a lot of our social media presence, generally speaking, as reptile keepers. I, I have an easier time connecting with somebody that has reptiles than I do even with my own friends and family. How sad is that? Think about it. Nothing. I mean, most uh, we cut out Riley. I get, dude. I was cracking up, dude. I... <laughs> Either I said something really extraordinarily funny. <laughs> I'm trying to pay attention to you, but I... he's done. Poor Joe. Joe's like, dude, I'm done. I'm ready for work tomorrow. I don't. Hey, I'm not the host, dude. You're the host. You're the one that's supposed to cut us out, dude. <laughs> I'll just keep drinking. So I'll keep drinking, and you keep talking. Riley, you want to put anything else out there? I was just reading some of the comments. Yeah. Um, I've been ignoring the comments because I can't read anymore. After five beers, I go back to Spanish. <laughs> you go back to default setting? I de- <laughs> <laughs> default setting. Holy shit. That's some like old school gaming shit right there. I love it. <laughs> default reinstall. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Okay. Simply Serpents, Sarah's Inspiration, and Jason Raup. If I in uh if I said that wrong, just blame it on my country. Fair. Mike. Um me. uh what were we talking about? <laughs> you tell me. So okay. We're gonna. What we're gonna do is we're gonna hit this like rewind dial. We're gonna go back to the yeah. podcast today, yeah, like the thirty minute mark. Today, Andy 
was able to launch our uh, little 17-minute, um, sort of like an intro, get to know us, uh, audio clip thing. Like, we we talked about doing it, and we're just like, yeah, screw it. We'll just do it. So we did that. Um, we have episode one and two recorded. One has been, like, edited and cut down and ready to go. Episode two is just right about there. Um, Andy, no one can read that. I, the fact that I was hey, I was trying to get it to, I was trying to get the mic to get the the visual. That's that's a problem. But go uh go back. Back to what's important. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, the Reptile Room podcast episode one will be uh up and by the uh, the first of the new year, January first. That's right. We will have the RSS feed already squared away on all the platforms, everything like that. Um, yep. Part of the benefit of putting out that little promo um, little episode. Do you know who your first guest is? Not yet. What we want to do is uh, we want to just make I sure. I think so. I mean, we, we've got to go. I think so. Do, well, so we're going to talk about I think this so. afterwards, but we have a yeah. huge, like, our list is like, Extensive. Yeah, as far as like a, a show that's just kind of getting off the ground, we've got a lot of folks that. Really... Who's your dream? Who's who's the real reach? Well, hey Joe, talk to me sexy like, and I might think that you're the dream. Hey baby, <laughs> <laughs> Melissa, don't get jealous. It's not my fault. <laughs> no, Andy, uh, yeah. Riley. Oh, oh. Hey, whoa, oh. Hey, Joe, I'm married, bro. Oh, sorry, dude. It just comes out in me. Hey, I just can't. When I see a good-looking man with a shiny, Gollum, cute head, baby, Gollum. Mm. <laughs> okay, Riley. Uh, guess we were on to something. We were on to something, and then at some point, Joe totally took it off to some other place that I don't. I don't go that way. I'm about to go to conventional. I don't know. Hey, Riley. He wasn't even listening. He wasn't even listening. This I can hear you. Dick, I can this hear you. dick wasn't even I listening. No, I heard you. I heard you. Wow. Okay. I can hear you. Who's the first guest? That's a great question. That's a great question, Joe. We have we have a, a couple of folks that have graciously said, oh, that's exciting to hear you starting a new podcast if you ever need Yes, come on. I'd, you know, I'd be happy to talk. Come on. So, come on. You want me? Yeah, do it. <laughs> make it happen right now, right now. Boom. Just say it and make it happen. That forces me. There you go. go. Yeah. Andy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want our first guest. Oh shit. In 2020. That's about the once we are ready. I'm about to get excited to be Dan Malier of DM Exotics. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There's there's a reason behind <laughs> that. There, there's many reasons behind that. I mean, Dan is yeah. stand up. Dan is guy. an awesome stand up dude. Like he is a stand, stand up, up guy. Hands down. You yep. you can't argue that. It doesn't matter what your experience is with him. You can't argue that. He's a nice guy. I've got uh how many guys in this hobby go out of their yeah. way to 
when they are, when you're going to meet them at the show or when you're going to reach out to them online and purchase an animal from him, how many guys like him are going to ensure that the animal that you receive is good to go? Zero. Yeah. The, I mean, nobody does it to his level in my experience. Nobody does that. And, and, like and the reason, the reason why I have always have such unflinching confidence in him is because I've picked up my animals from him over the years at shows, uh, in the area when I lived in central and Southern California. But, um, beyond that, he's always, you know, delivered on quality and, just yeah. kind of making sure everything's ready to go. And these animals have never been anything but perfect from the moment I've acquired them, whether they're like fresh hatchlings from the farms over in Indo brought in. Um, he, you know, he opened up to me and gave me the time of day before I bought a couple animals from him years ago. And so like I, I knew who he was and I had conversed with him before I was able to acquire animals from him. And, and honestly, like that's kind of taboo today is to like, you know, uh, consume a breeder's time without acquiring from them. Like, let's be real. Most, most folks would prefer, like, if you're the guy hitting them up for questions, it's probably the best that you purchase from them. But right. that's not a steadfast rule. There's nothing wrong with hitting up people just to get like different varieties of answers. There's nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. Um, but he's never steered me wrong. He's always just been like a solid dude. And uh, I've got a lot of animals from him. And uh, I just think his time within the reptile hobby and shows in central California and Southern California and importing and everything. He's, he's relevant. Um, he will be relevant for a long time and relatable as well. Yeah, definitely. A lot of people who are involved in the West coast side of things definitely know who he is. People who pay attention to, uh, reptile content on YouTube should probably know who he is. And he is a solid guy all around. Like he's never been anything but that. Um, and so he really deserves his, you know, retirement he's working towards and just doing all the, the good stuff he does. And that's like, I cherish all the animals I have from him. So, and you would um, think the, the amount of attention and the amount of things he's put out there, you would think someone would look at that and say like, Hey, that's actually viable. And that's something that he's going the extra mile and he's being rewarded for it. So you think that more people would take his precedent and and yeah, import absolutely. species that way, but and and there certainly are folks who do. Um, Dan has videos out there where he like tells people like if you're interested in doing what I'm doing, it's as simple as applying for certain permits, speaking with the local government, which is very difficult. It is difficult. Easy, yeah. But, and there is no learning curve. So you just like, if that's something you want to do and you're passionate about like importing and exporting and fulfilling some of those quotas that do exist and being like a responsible cog in that wheel, you can make a difference. You can keep things sustainable. You can do things in a responsible way and you can learn a lot along the way. So um, it just takes a lot of paperwork, a lot of kind of dealing with, challenges and unforeseen circumstances and variables and just waiting a lot for people to literally just send you back a correspondence on paper sort of thing. Um, 
which can be certainly very it's those kinds of things that like people our age i know for me in particular i'm so bad at like mailing shit out and stuff like that like i do that so little that it's like unless it's like snakes and then and then think about the folks who are doing it for a living and they've got like counties to respond to it's just tough things take time it is what it is you know so that's that's where the networking comes into play and anytime i would see dan at a show i actually made it a point to like introduce myself when it was a low traffic time at his booth and he was in the middle of something and i could just really like occupy 30 seconds of his time without really taking away from you need to try to do yeah like you need to in that situation it's like you always need to kind of not talk enough to be annoying but also talk enough to get the point across that you know more than like right. just a random Joe and you want to like actually talk fun stuff with him. Like, I don't know if that makes any sense. Like, yeah, no, I feel like that goes for a lot of vendors. I mean, that's where I try to like not be overbearing, but then again, like I want to talk to you, but I want to sure. show you that I'm not just a I don't know, yeah. random person that wants to talk about how to keep my whatever, whatever. Yeah. It all makes sense. I mean, we're all, you know, professional keepers at the end of the day. So, as long as you just approach people like you're a normal dude, it's all good. Uh, one more. Uh... Asked me why I was. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, God, I don't like you. you know that what? Whatever <laughs> do you mean? So it's terrible. How dare you say that? For people that don't know. I was just going wee wee. Mmm. Wait, I didn't mean to say it like that. Mmm. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> now, now. So, uh, rewind. Back to the podcast. Yeah, we're rewinding Back to again. The podcast and yeah. Dan. Dan is a legit dude, man. So I first met Dan. <laughs> I know, I know Dan wouldn't remember. I want to say I met Dan probably at the first Pomona show I ever went to, which was... Was back. that when he was back with still Ophiological Services? No, he had just gone to DM Exotics. So he, I think he went to DM Exotics the first time in San Diego, at the San Diego Super Show. I think that was his first show. Mm-hmm. Um shit man if i remember that was probably in the 90s uh i went to her i went to a san diego super show with my dad um but i i went to another anaheim pomona show i can't remember it wasn't at the major anaheim um place anyway but i remember seeing some of the stuff on his table that was just you're not going to find it at any other table you're not and not as well established as he has it. And that's the bottom line. When it comes down to somebody that imports animals, it's not, you need to have several ways of categorizing your importers. You have your importers, you have your flippers, and you have people that establish your animals and then prepare them for keeping. And then that's where Dan falls in. 
which I feel yeah, like is such a small subset of of people. If it's there's anyone else, <laughs> you 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 can count them on one hand. You can count them on one hand. And it's like you need those, you know, you need those guys so that we can get that fresh blood in, and you have reliable animals, yep. and just not even just fresh blood, but new species or species that haven't been imported in a while. When when like he that. tells you that he has something available, and he tells you what the species is, there's he's one of the very very few people on this planet that can with certainty feel or, or communicate to you exactly what it is that he has and that it's ready for you to keep because if he's not comfortable with keeping it he's not going to let you take it unless he knows who you are as a keeper and even then i think that he would be reluctant to sell you an animal unless he knows for absolute certainty that that animal is going to succeed with you uh i think that says a lot to him um as a keeper and as an importer uh so i i personally i think when it comes time to when i'm able to and when he gets to the point of it i i can't tell you how proud i am of of where he's at as a as just a, a person uh, he's worked so hard in his life his nine to five quote unquote nine to five to get to the point to where he's at, to be able to get to the to the point to retire in the place that he loves with the woman that he loves. Do you know how commendable that is? I mean, that's life, man. That's is that is just pure they, passion. They, do, they yeah. do a pretty cool thing. That's pretty awesome for sure. I, I want to be able to call him up and be like, I'm ready to do a herb trip. You just need the money for a flight. Make sure your passport's ready to go. And like, I want to fund his retirement. I want to help fund his retirement. Let's put it that way. When it comes to that time, yeah, yeah, Dan's a good dude. So, Dan, Dan, Dan has been doing such an amazing thing for this hobby that I think a lot of people don't. I, I mean, eh, a a lot of people do know what he does, but I think a lot Mm -hmm. of other keepers. But most people don't even understand it to the full extent of what yeah. he's doing and to where, you know, the 95% of people aren't going to know if they see 10 tables, the difference between someone the who has captured red animals and imported, dude, let alone I, his, you know. That every time I've seen him, I go up to a table and he is so inundated with people. That in and of itself right there is so inspirational as a keeper to just stand back and be able to watch him communicate with his customers to see his wife right next to him, supporting him. I think that is one of the most amazing things right there in life. Besides just step aside from the reptile hobby to have the love of your life right next to you, doing the passion, doing the thing that you love standing right next to you at the end of the day, it doesn't matter about the legacy that you leave having that legacy right beside you. I think that's one of the most beautiful things in life right there. Anyway, I thought Riley was going to say something. Sorry for uh, not saying no, anything. No, Andy, no, no, no. Deserves, Andy deserves the, uh, we, we let his statements breathe when they, uh, no, he really, no, head. I'm no, you're, you're dead on. He does deserve that. Like he's, mm-hmm. he's got a lot to offer and he's kind of like personally taken a, a backseat 
You know how excited I am to be able to just watch Dan Herp and me walk? It's going to (laughs) happen. I, I'm saving up for my own retirement at some point. At yeah. some point when he's retired and he's in Indonesia in his badass house. <laughs> yeah, for anybody great. that hasn't seen DM Exotics YouTube, do yourself a favor. Get out from under a rock. Get out from under a rock. Go check out his freaking YouTube channel and go watch what he's doing. And Santa's coming? Oh, I'm going to book a trip. I'm going to book a trip. I'm telling you, I'm going to book a trip and I'm just going to learn. I want to learn, learn, man. I want to learn from somebody that's been out there. I've been stuck behind a cubicle for most of my freaking adult life. I want to learn from somebody that's been out there in, in the field and yeah, you're gonna get Giardia stuff. and shit your pants, and I don't care. See, see, dude. <laughs> hey, hold on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's whoa, worth whoa. it. I have a stomach like a freaking bull right now. I'm yeah, good. I'm good to go. I just think it's it will be uh huh Riley. Um, I just I mean we all want to go to I think we all want to go. Anyone who likes pythons uh. Wants to go to Indonesia Me, or Riley, Australia. Joe, or... Melissa, Elizabeth, Rachel, we're going to Indonesia. Ooh, Herpy we could trip. do that. Let's do it. Rachel, Rachel would not come. No. She... Melissa might Rachel, not come too. So, Rachel, first station. We're going to make this happen. She would not come. She would not go. That's okay. She can stay at the resort. On what account? Yeah. The fact that she doesn't like nature or. What resort? No, not like living out of a fucking car in Australia. What resort? But does she like not like being outside? Indonesia. No, she does. I'm talking Indonesia. Same damn thing. Indonesia resort. Massages. Yeah, she wouldn't. She drinks. She can hang out with Elizabeth. Elizabeth's not going to want to go herping. She loves reptiles, but she's going to be like, "You're going to go get wet feet in the mud." Fuck it, you can go. Melissa Man. would not go for a second either. Okay, so no. all three ladies can stay at the spa, and we go herp with Dan. This is good. Or we can just go herp with Dan. For a couple of white guys, you guys are stupid. Okay. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I just felt like getting racist. White guys aren't intellectually superior, but I mean, if you... But you said, said it, which it, is pretty racist. So technically... Which no, is you said it anti-racist that way. No, you said it. <laughs> up there, huh? That way. Uh, Yahweh. That guy. I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> no, I think we just is that would that be your Let's number go. one place that you would want to go? Indo? Bridge. Oh, that's Close a great down. question. Where's our number one herping place to go? Oh, this is Okay, so we're ready. We're at 308. We're about to go to 408. Okay. <laughs> I'm getting paid either way. I'm done, though. <laughs> oh, man. Joe's done. I'm barely getting started. Riley is literally done. <laughs> I think where's Riley's the, been done okay, for like okay. two hours. <laughs> where's, your, where's your number one place to go, Herb? That's a great question, Joe. Shit, you should have. Well, fuck. That up I'll answer in the time that Riley can figure it out. 
all of Australia. Okay. Done. No. But that's that's so many trips. Yep. Pick that's one place in Australia. How many microclimates are in Australia? Darwin. Ooh. Northern Territory. And oh no, Cape York. Cape York. That'd be a dope ass trip. I wanna go to WA. Oh. I wanna go to the Pilbara. Try to find out with Pythons. Pilbara. Pilbara. I am Pilbara. Sorry, bro. Pilbara. You damn right, bro. <laughs> I'm actually probably in the Peruvian Amazon rainforest looking for uh, Amazon Basin Emerald Tree Bows. Let's go catch some. Ooh, that's actually cool. a really good one. Yeah. Um, that's so before kids, I, I, my goal was at 30 years old to be, uh, definitely trenching through the Amazon rainforest multiple times. And you know what? I'm glad I had kids prior to then because having children has changed my perspective on life, uh, tenfold in a positive way. And a lot of times we try to, you know, throw bullshit on that. And, um, uh, I think children have been the, the, the most beneficial thing for me personally, as a, as a person, um, and getting married, etc. but it's going to happen for me at some point getting into the Amazon. Uh, so yeah, that's one of those. It seems like the guys that are into that have worked with reptiles their whole life and they just, they get out of it and they have a smaller collection now and they have like the diamond, the like totally grail. They either have like a Bolins or an Amazon. They're like, that's what everyone's like working for. I feel my, like my yeah. dime, my diamond is an Amazon basin, 100% true locality, Peruvian Amazon basin, uh, high white. Riley. I mean, it's a beautiful animal. Can't argue. Yeah. That. It's, it's, it, but it's only going to happen when I know for 100% that I've got the room for it and the enclosure for it because it's going to be 100% bioactive. It's going to oh, be a self-sustaining system. When it happens, I don't mind spending the thousands of dollars that it's going to take to buy that animal, but it's going to be because I've got an enclosure that's worth thousands of dollars as, as well. Yeah, something that's worthy of that animal, and you can display it in a way that is going oh, to dude, just enhance your be experience. Displayed in my master suite yeah. for my wife and I to enjoy. <laughs> it does. I don't care if anybody else ever sees it ever, <laughs> ever. I don't care if I can enjoy it. I'm good. I'm good with that. Yeah. But it's got to be ready. I've that's the primary animal that I've yet to keep. In my ever, I don't even know the f words. I don't have vocabulary like Riley, uh, but for the many years that I've kept animals, I've yet to keep an Amazon basin, emerald tree bow, or, or any emerald tree bow. But when that day comes, uh, I've got a few people that I'm going to be buying from, and it's going to be a locality animal with parentheses with an s in, in the middle of those parentheses and it's going to be in a bioactive probably a paludarium 
beautiful yeah display enclosure for sure no doubt about it Riley's looking off to his left or right calling bullshit but I'm gonna tell you right now it's gonna happen Riley do you have a holy grail what are you pointing at yeah he's pointing at something so apparently he has his holy grail which I'm kind of pissed because I don't know about it this dude just needs to shut up He's like crinkling paper and making a whole bunch of commotion. He just needs to like breed his lady and like keep it peaceful and move on. Sometimes there needs there's a little bit of enticing that's required in order for that to happen, Riley. It you know what but though he's, I would understand for somebody walking, that's not married. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> he's been Joe- locking up. He's like, shut it. oh my god. Um, holy grail. Holy huh? grail. So, honestly, I think for me, um, if you say Bowens, you're wrong. Oh, shit. It's, oh. it's not Bowens. <laughs> it's actually not Bowens. If, uh, if I could really have everything sort of like dial in my favor and have the resources ready to just like really focus on one thing it would be uh it would be apodora papuana for sure yeah yeah gorgeous species too Mm. um Mm. they're like um australian olives but uh smarter smarter than retics um resilient like various different boas but and but they eat each other oh increased fun yeah Yeah, increased fun you know what though but you're on you're on with jacob on that one too right my holy grail is sansinia simply serpent sansinia is really nice i worked with them they're badass they're uh, cool snakes mandarins or greens green do you have a preference riley greens yeah, green is amazing. Yeah, yeah. there were no, nothing wrong with mandarins. The one thing with mandarins is they look better as babies as they do as adults. The adults are cool, but they take on this like sort of uh, gray backdrop color. They still have the same like yellow highlights and pattern and everything, but it's a different color. Whereas the greens, uh, depending on their lineage, they're they're going to be born red and yellow, and they will train. Uh, uh, sort of go through that onto genetic color change into green and that green can vary from like a nice emerald green to like an aqua Geek. green so the the individual I, I worked with for the longest time was like this aqua bluish green and he was just amazing and I'd never seen anything like him. You're such so, a nerd. Yes. I'm proud. <laughs> You're a fucking nerd, dude. <laughs> yeah. Fuck Yeah. <laughs> Hey, say that word to me again, because it kind of it gets me off a little bit. Onto what? Buck. Onto F U K. Buck. Onto genetic. Change this guy. Onto genetic color change. Talking all sexy and shit with his monotone. Onto genetic color change. (laughs) How are those mad hogs looking? By the way, forgot to ask you. Man, honestly, at this point, yeah, I think, I think they're breeding again. 
<laughs> Are they cohabiting year round? Uh, yeah. it's, it, you know what's crazy is how how nutty it was to see him go through the psychological changes of like I'm gonna sell them because I'm fucking tired of them, and then they're <laughs> bra- they're breeding. Oh, I've got eggs. Oh, they're hatching. Dude, That's- I found the female. I found the female looking thick the day before I found eggs. Literally, Pe- the day before. people in this hobby have no idea how incredible that clutch was, though. That's what's nuts. They're so worried about the latest freaking ball python freaking morph that he bred this species. Uh, whatever. I'm about to get on a freaking soapbox. I'm about to piss off. A throw, no, go. I mean, you're not really. Throw, throw, not them, really in the throw no, them in the I, box. Throw them in the box and ignore no, them. I'm just That's saying, dude. Need. No, you did a freaking incredible thing. Okay. Sorry. Put them in a box, ignore them, clean up their poop, make sure they have fresh water, throw food at them once in a while. They're good. Somebody, but then, was, somebody was asking a question earlier about like 12 hours ago uh, about <laughs> about Mad Hogs. Don't make that face, Riley. I don't have a life. Ago. So you I've put, got you put them together. Yeah, how's put them together, really? leave them alone, breed them. Get some eggs, check them, check them, check them a couple times a week because they do have fast metabolisms like a lot of other colubrids. But he tries to make it seem like it's like no big deal, like oh whatever, oh I just spread some mad hog. Mm, I don't even keep them, notes like, on these people. things. I forgot so to boring. check them. But you know now it's like you have to be the mad hog guy. Now you got to keep them and keep on breeding them, right? You're gonna. He doesn't want to keep it? them. I don't care what they do. This guy. I swear. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. They're I've up. seen them, and, like, it's not a snake I would want to work with 100%. Dude, they I suck. understand. <laughs> Their shit smells like, like, Dude, seriously. They're, they're terrible. They're, it's horrible. <laughs> like, just reading they, the messages from him about their shit alone. Oh, what was that, Joe? That was an accident, but it actually makes sense in context. Dude, those things like flip over their water dish if it doesn't have like a ceramic bowl. Good evening. They're terrible. Love, gotta love carpet pythons at 1028. Well, it's the good thing you're only about 12 hours. 128. 1028. (laughs) 1028, my time. So, Joe, your time, it's. Really doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Because West Coast people, that's yeah. The run time. or the world runs on West Coast time? Yeah. Quite oh, the opposite. Yes. But... He's drinking water, Riley. Isn't this like the girliest water bottle ever? It's Melissa's. It's nice though. It's more functional than mine. <laughs> I hey, sustainable. I, I support I, that. I am not gonna give any you gotta like suck on it like a fucking baby and shit but it's okay uh, like a bottle yeah. that one <laughs> don't help me out here so there was this one time uh, anyway do I have to actually put this out <laughs> oh. 
This could be show between us three, and I'd be cool with it. 100%. And whoever else decided to stay on the chat for this entire time. I'd no, I'm it. 100% putting it out, but it's not our best, uh, or not our best showing. If someone made it this far in the audio, like seriously, you're, you're on the fucking team. Cool. You're definitely on the team. Uh... Uh, reptile room podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Joe's probably gonna take about maybe two or three days to recover <laughs> from being, uh, yeah, harassed, harassed, <laughs> and shit on. Melissa's gonna be thankful though, so yes, very Melissa. thankful. Melissa is the like, reason why your podcast will continue from this point on. Yeah. See, the thing is, is that where where Riley and I failed was the fact that it's uh, Riley and I, male and male. Uh, Who knows? Yeah. Hey, hey. That's what you're talking about. What That's you- no crossing, no crossing swords. That's me. No, we're going to talk reptiles, not swords. Uh-huh. Yeah. But you're man on man, mano y mano, reptile talk. Just two guys. Two guys. Right? Get it on. Talking about reptiles. Even, I'm, I'm not even going to take it beyond that. I was uh, going to say, unless somebody jumps on and we get a guest involved in the show, but that was just not sound. Which good. is going to be Dan, right? <laughs> so we do. You plan said it. You said it. On. Or having, I think Joe Joe is still trying to figure out how the hell he's going to get to bed. Well, the thing Uh, is, you started the outro, and then you completely abandoned it. All he has to do is hit hang up. Here's the thing: (laughs) it's on him, folks. Everybody, it's on you, Andy. It's on all of you. It's on Joe. It's on me. Reptile Room Podcast from the ground up podcast. Look up Joe Melissa on From the Ground Up. They have literally made... You guys have been on for a while. Y'all have been doing it really well, but you've really been killing it. Seriously, think about it. But in the corn steak market, you guys have been doing fantastic work. It's been amazing to watch from the outside perspective. It really has. It's cool. It's cool to see that whole niche, like, grow again and get the respect it deserves. I guess it's the same thing with... um... I don't know. I like corn snakes are great. They're my favorite snake to work with, right? They're sure. awesome. But uh amazing. But no one cares about any of the other shit I breed. And I want to talk about it and no one ever asks me about it ever. Really? So it's like Oh, hold it up. It doesn't hold matter. Up. No. You Andy started knows where this is going. Oh. Is going. Okay. You just hit on this at 324 and 28 seconds. <laughs> oh, here we go. They're coming on. They're coming oh, on. Oh shit. Okay. You got yeah. Floridana for the first time. Well, that's the easiest one to breed, but hey, I'm I'm leading up into my first breeding season though. Okay. Okay. So you had a chance to get to it 2019, right? Yeah. Super exciting. But you well, do also sorry. no, no, hold up. So you got corn snakes also, but you also have had some heartache with your palmetto pairing. Yes. Okay. So I think that that's something important for everybody that's listening that's doing pairings that's maybe either 
has been successful or has not been successful is you're going to get heartache no matter how successful you are with the parents that you've got. Joe, Dude. You, and, you and Melissa have been successful with the parents that you've had in the past, and you've also had heartache. That is such an amazing learning experience for someone. As, as long as I've been keeping, I've never bred corns from the point of breeding them or keeping them from a baby to the point of breeding them or from, I'm going to consider myself a cheater, picking up some adult corn, uh, Floridana this year, breeding them in 2020. You guys did it. That's awesome stuff, man. I'm super excited about Yeah, that. we also yeah. Yeah, it's like half the time it's great and the other half we got like shit on constantly. That's it was the like things that you <laughs> need to learn about. It dude, you honestly man and like especially like if you talk to me around like October when like things when the dust settles and like you figure out who's going to eat, who's not going to eat. And I have to either watch snakes die or feed them off to king snakes or just decide that this snake isn't going to thrive. Yeah. I think that people don't realize that when you get to a certain amount of snakes, you have a certain a good amount of snakes that are going to meet their demise in one way or the other under your care. And dude, it fucking sucks. That's hard. It it doesn't honestly for me, it almost doesn't surpass the highs of doing all of this. Um, to be honest, like Melissa helps me a lot by keeping me like doing this, to be honest, when I'm like when I'm in that space, as far as uh, I'm just ready to be like, let's at least do less. So maybe yeah. it can just feel less fucking That's terrible, shit though, though. because when things go wrong, it goes wrong, wrong on a bigger scale. You're right. Like it doesn't go wrong. You know, like like half of our clutches, dude, we're stillborn. And that's like, that's like we we hatched like 175 babies. So what could have happened? You know, was that right. probably it was probably over 100 babies that we've had stillborn this this year. It's like that what is, the fuck is going like, on? What, what happened, or what could you have done better? Or I I was nowhere near that number, man. But yeah, so, and yeah. and the last that's two years tough. were 100 no percent hatch rate. But but we moved to PA this year. But you year. just moved. Yeah, and, oh, and but everything was fertile. I just didn't know the room. I think I I think it was there I fucked go. up. There you go, right there. And it takes an adjustment to know your room. So. Well, Owen Owen right. had 60, 70 slugs this season. Also, know. keep in mind that Kluber breeders across the Northeast and the Midwest and most of the people I've talked to had a it shit year. The, it wasn't just yeah. Kalubrids. It was even a lot of Morelia guys that had a really shitty year in 2019, 2018 even. And I see those waves that are constantly matching up. Like I see guys having bad years and then, you know, the Morelia people have a bad year. These people have a bad year and it just seems like things sync up a lot. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So there's certain things that we think that we're controlling that clearly. We're not. There's something else out there, right? Yeah. No, definitely. For sure. I think we can definitely do better. Uh, I think sharing data, kind of going back to about uh, two weeks ago in this podcast, (laughs) when Riley was talking about data. I think collectively, 
talking about data, I'm a data guy myself. I mean, I have a degree in basically data management and finding ways for us as keepers to share data together, whether it be whatever genus, it doesn't matter. Whatever species it is, it doesn't matter. There is very simple tools for us to be able to get connected together. What happened? What was the parameters of your room? This kind of ties back to the Reptile Room podcast for me and Riley. One of the biggest uh, segments or series that we're going to be pulling together is on the Reptile Room. What does it take to create a successful Reptile Room for your species of choice is going to be that in and of itself. How are you going to prepare that room for that one species that you're focused on? If you have a room that has had a fluctuation, 2016 to 2017 for me was a successful year. 2017 to 2019, I moved into a new home. I lost animals that meant a lot to me. I had animals that didn't want to breed for me. It was a huge change. And it was literally a less than 10 mile change in terms of location, but it was a huge change in temperature, relative humidity. Those are the kind of things that Riley and I want to bring into the reptile hobby to talk to talk to basic keepers, advanced keepers, collectively bring that together to say, hey, look, these minor changes mean a huge thing to a biological creature like a snake that is going to, a female in particular, say, this is just isn't going to work for me. We're not going to breed this year. So coming back to the care, coming back to the basics, coming back to the very little minor changes that we need to make in our rooms, what do we need to do? You and Melissa had a major change in your life and you guys experienced a major, uh, I, I, I mean, you guys experienced a, a decrease in your production. Yeah. Yeah. I wish right. I felt that. Yeah. Yeah, it was a major change in the way that you guys, where you were keeping and how you were keeping. Mm-hmm. And it was a relation in, in regard to where you guys moved. So, And I think it's anyway. something to where it was also I kind of let my guard down a bit like, oh, I got this. No need to worry that much. I mean, you know, what could go wrong but with a new room? so many things because uh honestly most of the times if your room's dialed in you get to that point where like that what what bill hughes calls like benign neglect meaning that especially for eggs just leave those mother neglect those as much as you can don't mess with them at all you know like that's the best the best way to go about it if you can you got to be observant to a certain point but um so that's what i always try to go by maybe i went went a little bit too hard this year because i didn't know um, just the adjustment because I came from, I came from a newly, uh, a newly built, uh, house in Dallas, you know, a place with a closet and it was insulated and it was all perfect. And now I'm here in like an 
early 20th century row house in Philly, which has like floorboards with holes in it and like free flowing air every which way. It doesn't hold uh, temperature very well. It fluctuates a lot just because it's old, you know, just old construction. Yeah. So it's been super, super unreliable. And just in comparison to Dallas is just a much, it's like, uh, yeah, it's like swimming. It's like swimming against the current in Dallas. I felt yeah. like I was on the lazy yeah. river, you know? Definitely. So you got to, I think people at home who are just getting into keeping or breeding, honestly, man, that your location matters. It Absolutely. Just really I, does. I think you got to take into consideration everything that has to do with your reptile room or where that one single, if you're only keeping one species, I think Riley and I touched on it on episode one and episode two of our podcast, it doesn't matter whether you're keeping a large number of species or one single species in a large number. It doesn't matter where you're keeping them. You have to take into consideration what their standards of living are. Are you meeting it or are you not? It's all right. If you're not, what are you doing to fix it? Yeah, because it's I mean, it's not really what it comes down to at the end of it. Yeah, because unfortunately, it's not that easy to answer that. Fortunately or unfortunately, like there is no end game to this. There is no end to it. We're just trying to perfect something that will probably never be perfected, and we will constantly have to go through these iterations of what did I do wrong, what is going on here, and keep on just mm-hmm. trying to improve. And uh, it's something that's kind of like daunting especially because of the like what you mentioned earlier like genetic diversity is going down um and these and certain morphs have problems or you know different things that are going on throughout the hobby and that people are breeding you know for phenotype more so for than for health and we're just seeing the uh kind of the downfall of that um i don't want to say downfall because nothing's terrible but it's something that i've talked about the last couple times on the podcast but I'm also just trying to fill time because Riley and Andy are busy. But it's it's always nice to talk to people and know that, you know, you're not alone as far as uh, struggles in keeping or breeding or all of that stuff because we've all fudged up, haven't we, Riley? Oh, I do it on the regular sort of. <laughs> not Not really, but like there's all sorts of learning curves. And I think the only difference between someone who quits and doesn't is that they just don't let it stop them as far as if something goes wrong, they want to improve it. You know, they don't want to just stop. Yeah. And that's how you sort of improve the the rhythm of your room. You know, especially if you move into a new place, you sort of figure out how the, the climate works in all the corners and nooks and crannies and all that. And you figure it out based on the enclosures you have and the species you're keeping this and that so um yeah there's a lot of like learning curves to it but you just you just have to spend time in there figure it out you know yeah so i don't know where andy is but i'm gonna do an actual intro or outro when he gets back hopefully it's not the intro we'd be in trouble uh yeah that'd be funny though <laughs> <laughs> No, nah, he's he's probably just running to the uh, the banya, dude. Oh, the I just, banya. Like I th- I thought I was like 
hearing my whole place shake and an earthquake and then my door open and, and I realized like Rachel's even hearing the same thing. I'm like, what the hell is going on? The Airbnb above us it's just ridiculous right now. Wait, so they rent out the place above you for as an Airbnb? Yeah, it's been there for months. It's and terrible. people are just can come there and party or do whatever the hell. Yeah, we've made a, uh, enough noise where they only rent to people who are there for more than a month. Problem is, the people who have been there for the last couple months are like hands down the worst people they've had in there thus far. So it's awesome. <laughs> it's a good yeah. thing I wasn't outside taking a pee. Hey, Andy. <laughs> what? You wanna uh, give people um, kind of the, the the rundown on where they can find the podcast? Yeah, online. I think we've done this three times. But... No, but like I, he can send us out. He can give us. He can give us the platforms, the website. He can do yeah. all that. We'll take it. Everyone, out. be quiet. <laughs> Let him get, get through it, and then I'll do my part after, all right, and then we can end it. Okay. So first yeah. and foremost, seriously. Who the hell have you had on for three hours in 30? You've never met Cody Bartolini, okay? <laughs> we have gone four, my friend. We have gone four. Okay, okay, okay. Well, I apologize, Joe. I'm so sorry, but uh, you don't he's the king, man. Okay. You don't right. even know. So for for the fourth time, uh on Instagram and Facebook. Reptile Room Podcast uh, is what you need to type in and you will find us. And reptileroompodcast.com is the primary website that we are uh, focused on getting uh, loaded. I'm hoping that tomorrow, I'm not sure, Joe, when you're going to get this uploaded. It's live now, so I guess. I, I may edit it right now and put it up. Okay, that's fine. Um, so we are waiting for some DNS servers to get activated in order for us to be able to point it to reptileroompodcast.com. At the moment, reptileroompodcast slash simplecast.com is the primary website. Uh, but we're going to get that figured out. So I hope everybody's had a good time. I've had a good time. Joe, I appreciate your time. I I know you've got a lot of work to do, man. And, and uh, the fact that we've spent this amount of time together online, just bullshitting and just having a good time talking about all kinds of miscellaneous stuff, people in the chat. I think that says a lot about your community. And I think that says a lot about the dedication that you've done for our hobby. Uh, so I, I want to commend you and your followers. Thanks, man. Don't forget, Melissa. Back the fact that they care to just stay on and do this with us. That's awesome. So thank you to everybody else that's been on, that's been live. I know it's been, it's gone a, quite a while long, but we've had a great, great, great time. So Joe, thank you so much for your time, man. It, it, it's been great to just uh, allow us the opportunity to promote our new show. Uh, me and Riley, we shoot the shit all the time, uh, offline and online and on our recordings uh we're gonna geek out that's that's our goal we're gonna geek out yeah with, dude, there's... or without uh things that potentially may affect our mental capability 
Yes. Hmm. I won't read too deeply into that. But yeah, to to have all these people here that are usually at the podcast or listening to the podcast I mean, from from seven comments. from seven p.m. Yeah. to nine p.m. But this Dude. has gone from, and most of them are in East Coast or Central Coast time, time zone, right? And yeah, so they've been on from ten p.m. That's to almost crew. two in the morning, dude. Bro, that's your crew, man. That's, that's crazy. Commendable. And yeah. it's we're just talking reptiles. I, I, and that's how just amazing. Of a community is that that in and of itself, folks. That is exactly what Riley and I. I at the end of the day, that's all we want to do is just connect with folks to just just shoot the shit about reptiles, talk about reptiles. What's going good? What's going bad? You know? Absolutely. So, thank you, man. I appreciate the time. You, you've you given us, what, almost sure. four hours. Dude, what do you mean? We just had fun for four hours. <laughs> so All right. Cheers. So I said I was going to do. Cheers to you and cheers to your crew. Riley's just not even joining in with us anymore. I, I had six beers. I have none left. That's I had- fair more than that i had zero sorry guys for disappointing dude this would have been a lot of fun if i had been drinking it's already a lot of fun man it's all good (laughs) you had work to do it's all a blast blast. but you can check us out at portcitypythons.com port city pythons on instagram port city oh i fucked it up port city pet you're on port city pet youtube channel because there's new things in the outro man yeah yeah so check out the new port city pet youtube channel um the 10 people that listen to this point can go subscribe and that would be excellent i mean uh we're just trying to get it up to the point where we can like create a thumbnail or do the basic functions on Instagram or on YouTube. That would be great. So if you guys could check that out, I would really, really appreciate it. Other than that, thank you guys so much for listening. Have happy holidays. It is now Christmas Eve. I hope I have this out on Woo! Christmas Eve and uh, Merry Christmas, you guys, everybody. you guys can enjoy your break and yeah. Listen to some reptile podcasts. Thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you to Andy and Riley. No, thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you to everybody online. Thank you to everybody. America. Later, Gators. Later, guys. America. Gators.